This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza, who just belched tremendously loud. Uh, I don't know that we went live uh, by the time people heard that, but I, I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes if you go, I hit this, like, start stream button, and sometimes when I go to listen to the replay, it picks up on, like, me. So what I'll do is I'll say 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and then I'll click this button. But a lot of times I, I listen back to the replay, and it has, like, my 5 in there, or it has, like, you know, a little bit of time before I actually go live. Uh, and I'm a little worried about that, <laughs> the audible burp that I just heard. That was a tremendous burp. I mean, it, it cannot deny a tremendous burp. But, uh, Joe, how are you doing other than your, uh, well, your, your, your gastrointestinal issues that you have right now? So, Well, listen, it's very dangerous to hold in all those noxious gases. So No, let it out. Absolutely. It you've, never, you've never stopped it before. So No. So, I mean, that's what I tell my wife when I'm farting all over the place. You got to let those out. You got to let it go. It's healthier that you do that. Can I tell you something? Uh, I have absolutely. had, I have had gas since. <laughs> okay, I don't care least, anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that that's where the story was going. Okay, right, I, go on. I have had gas since at least like 1999. Like I never not have gas. I am constantly. Farting. Have you ever looked into that or? No. I think you might. Okay. <laughs> you you don't constantly fart like no I, <laughs> no. I mean I, I have I have certain times and like I I'll eat certain things that make me no not constantly that's 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 not good i don't think there's seriously i don't think i can't remember being an adult and not having chronic gas it's it's an absolute it's like a toxic waste dump down there it's awful like it never stops like i can i can prevent myself from doing it you know like if i'm in a business setting or but it's always there you you always could let it go if you needed to is is what i'm hearing i can sneak off to the bathroom and just rip ass (laughs) within seconds at any moment like i it just you know i constantly have gas uh, yeah i don't know if that's good i don't think it's good i don't, I don't think that's normal um Probably i mean I, I don't i'm just I'm, i don't have that issue I, I can't speak for you know many other people or if it actually is an issue or not but it just doesn't yeah, i don't know that doesn't sound like it's 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 something that's good you should probably look into that but i don't think i eat an unusual diet uh um, is it the coke z's could it be all the carbonation? Could I be mean, the carbonation. You do. You do. How, how many Coke Z's do you take down in, in in a given day? Well, generally, I'll alternate. Like if I have a Coke Z, then I'll have a water. Then I'll have a Coke Z. You know what I mean? So maybe six. Six. Okay. Well, I think I have the root of the issue. That's a lot. Six. Yes, that's a lot. Ah, you have I mean, six Coke Z's in a single day. You're talking like from bell to bell? Yeah, talking from uh, when 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 Joe emerges from the, the the bed at I don't know 10 a.m. or whatever to whenever the hell you go to bed at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, I I waddle downstairs like Tony Soprano, 
and I crack one open to get the day started. <laughs> you got the, you know, I hear your underwear with the robe. Yeah. The... What I won't do though is if I wake up in the single digits, I have this weird thing. If it's still the single digits, too early. Meaning too early to drink not, a Coke Z. Yes, meaning nine fifty nine or earlier. Yeah, no, I don't, way, too, way too early. Ten, once the threshold, and I, I have that same thing with like eating lunch or like eating. Yeah. Like at work, like I'll get to work and I get there, you know, at seven thirty or whatever. And like, there's times at nine thirty where I'm starving and I'm like, I cannot go to my lunch already. Like, it's not lunchtime yet; it's right. nine thirty. But ten eh, fifteen, you're like, okay, I, I, I and then ten thirty, I think all bets are off by ten thirty. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. Um, but if it's before the double digits, it's only I can only consume breakfast things. So then I'm reaching for the orange juice or. A little chocolate milk or something like that, but if I, you know, if I go down those stairs and it's ten oh six, I'm cracking one open, baby. I get the day started. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think that might be the issue. I, maybe for one day, try to have two and see uh, about the gas issues. Maybe I, it might be it might be difficult. I can't believe you're drinking six of those in a day. Yes, that might be the problem. That might be the yes. That is a lot. Are you kidding? Okay, let's figure this out. If so you I poured said, that in, if you took six Coke Z's and poured it into a glass, think of how big that glass would have to be. I mean, I don't know. Here, I get, I usually get three cases of 12 with the groceries. Yes. Okay. That's 36. And that'll generally last the entire week until the next trip with some to spare. So is that six a day? I don't even know if that's six that's a day. A, I, it that's might six. it might vary, but that is that is a lot. And nobody else. This is, is all you. This is all you, right? Yes, that's a lot. That's an incredible amount of soda. Really? Yes. How many is like a normal amount to drink in a day? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm probably a bad judge because I don't really drink soda anymore. Um, not not by choice. I just like just I'm obsessed with coffee now and and uh, addicted to coffee, so I don't drink much. Soda, but no, I mean, I would probably, I'd say, I mean, I'm a bad, like, I'll, I have like a soda like once a week, maybe. So I'm a bad judge of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see what the chat room has to say, what the Noto hold chat on, room has on. to say. So 36 divided by seven. <laughs> it's not great. Maybe it's not six because, okay, look, I buy 30. <laughs> I think anything more than like four per day well, is probably not great. So I buy 36. Okay. With the groceries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go once a week. That's 5.14 a day if they're all being – but there's always a couple left over. There's always like, you know, half a dozen or <laughs> You're so. You're trying to justify this. I, no, I, I'm just any more than four I think is, is, is a lot per day. I, I, I don't know. Try, listen, I'm doing the math here because I've never had a, a scenario where, oh, man, we're not – I'm not shopping until tomorrow. I'm at a Coke Z's. Like that doesn't happen. There's always like between one and six left. When the new batch comes in. So that means I'm drinking like 30 in seven days. So it's like 4.28 per day. That's right. That's considered a lot. I'm on it. I'm asking an honest question. I don't. Yeah, I would say that's that's a lot. I mean, I, I, I again, I'm not the best hey, judge. The day of that. is long. The day is long, sir. I mean, the day is for, long, but that that seems I, I, I would hours here. I would definitely try to. uh uh, maybe have two in a day and see how the gas goes. Um, I'm no doctor, but uh, that that might the nurse hasn't arrived yet. I, she would probably think that's horrific, so I'm not going to ask her. But um, 
it's probably best we just don't ask her because then she'll so, lecture you about something. So uh, I don't know. That seems that seems like a lot. Like, are there days where I have had more than you know five sodas in a day? Absolutely. There are times definitely where where I'm taking down a ton of soda. I'm like I'm with friends. We're we're, we're playing video games, stuff like that. Uh, I would say on a daily basis, day to day, every single day, you know, four point two uh, uh, Coke Z's in a day. I that I, I would say that's too much, probably. Well, I'm constantly drinking. I'm never not drinking a liquid. Is that weird too? Uh, no, no, no. I'm the same way. I like literally right now sitting at, <laughs> at my desk right now. I have a can of uh, this rain shitty energy drink crap, uh, which is horrific for my body as well. I I I, I got that. I have a giant thing of water here. It's got to be like. 30 ounces of water here, a giant, a giant 30 ounce thing, a cup uh, of water. And then also a can of beer as well. And that's why I have to piss all the time during the show. And that's, I'm doing that all day at work too. I t- I've taken down like seven of these bottles of 30 ounces of water or whatever. So. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll drink one as soon as I get up. Then a water, like I'll alternate. Got to have one during lunch. Right. I have one during dinner. And then I'm trying to think. Then I have one or two, like if I'm watching the Reds game, of course. And then that's it, because I don't really drink them when it gets super late. Because then it's like weird, like I'm, you know, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it probably works out to like four or five a day, and I'm like maybe on a crazy day six or seven or something. But that the math adds up. Yeah, I, I, I would. Know, was that I would... weird? Like one in the one. Both, both during both meals, a couple at night, you know. See, I think I, I wonder if you're starting the day off poorly with the uh, the the immediate Coke Z as you wake up, like that. Maybe, maybe for gastro purposes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hold on, sir. You have coffee when you wake up. Yeah. Well, get on me. It's the same thing. Like, it's I not just, like, <laughs> the, the, the ingredient list in coffee. I think is a little bit smaller than the ingredient list in your in your Coke Z. There, I'm saying it's, for your gastro issues, those... don't get defensive. I'm just trying to help here. There's one ingredient that matters. The caffeine. <laughs> well, that's I'm saying though. Maybe like I, I I'm thinking you're 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 wondering why you burp and fart all day, and I'm wondering if maybe the ridiculous fucking poison you're putting in your body every day six times a day is probably the reason. Ridiculous poison. I mean, I I I drink shitty stuff too. Like I said, I'm drinking this garbage right now that I'm sure is got it's Coke Zero. It has no calories. <laughs> okay, how does it get no calories, Joe? How do how do they uh, concoct well, the zero calories there? They got fucking scientists and shit. <laughs> right. You know? I'm just offering a suggestion that maybe, because I, 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 I know you, I've never, you know, I've, 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 I've eaten a, a meal with you, but um, I'm a, I'd imagine that you probably don't eat poorly. I, I know what, what, what you eat there. I know that you're a man who takes, uh, you know, meticulous care of the kitchen and, and likes to cook stuff. So I don't think it's the diet. I, I don't think it's the diet. I, I think it might be the Coxies. I eat a very average diet. I'm not like a health freak, but I'm not eating fast food every day either like i barely ever eat fast food but um you know a lot of home-cooked meals you know not a lot of snacks i eat an average diet I yeah yeah it's unless diet. it's for joe's eats or whatever yeah. which you know obviously um, oh that's a gimmick yeah yeah, yeah. oh no and, and and you should have gastro issues for that i mean that's just yeah. that's a self-subscription for I mean, sure. i'm not anti-fast i'm not one of these weirdos who's anti-fast food you got to eat it now and then it's unavoidable if you're a normal human being like every now and then it's just unavoidable yeah i don't trust people that never yeah. eat it it, no. It's kind of weird. Like I never eat at like McDonald's or whatever, but I but there's like ten thousand places to get like quote unquote fast food around here. It's just I have no need to go to McDonald's because there's like seven burger places and fifteen hot dog places and twenty pizza places. You know what I mean? It's just like guys. Yeah, so so I don't eat like traditional fast food, but yeah, I take down I take down some euros and some some beef sandwiches and shit all the time. So 
Is anyone more irritating than, Ew, you eat Taco Bell? Why don't you just make your own tacos at home? They taste <laughs> so much Taco better. Because I want Taco Bell. Yeah. Listen, you fucking nerd. Yes, I eat Taco Bell like every other fucking normal human in America. Okay? All right? Every yeah, Just because I'm eating Taco Bell. If I want to make tacos at home, I'll make tacos at home. If I want fucking Taco Bell, I'm it's going a different to Different taste. Bell. Totally different taste. Different approach. Different, yeah. different craving. Yeah. All of it. Yep. You know, I can't stand people like that, though. Like, and you know they're full of shit. You know these people are eating the same shitty fast food you're eating. But it's like they, they're just these irritating people who, who, you know, these food shamers. Be a fucking food shamer. You eat – like you're like you're over there eating rice cakes and fucking vegan. You know, it's so rare to find so, – you know, and that person's irritating, too. So, you know, I, I, these, these fast food shamers. Let's not, let's not go slandering rice cakes, though. I mean, rice cakes are fantastic. But yeah, rice cakes. but you get these pe- – yeah, yeah, but it's not like – But it's not a central part of my diet, yeah. Right. You want to eat a fucking rice cake, that's fine. You know? It's like – but there's nothing wrong with eating a, a fucking Arby's fucking – you know, whatever the – what do they got? I don't, even, I don't think I've eaten an Arby's in my life. What do they have at Arby's? They have, <laughs> the beef, oh, they have the, uh, the beef things. The beef, beef and cheddar. Oh, yeah, the beef there. and cheddars. Yeah, yeah I, I made an Arby's run about a year ago. I forget why. Um, Probably pandemic depression or whatever. And I just went to town, man. It was – Stupid the amount of food I ate that day, and it was. You gotta do that shit now. Yeah, yeah. You gotta clear. You you just gotta because you have to remind yourself how disgusting it is sometimes, and then you forget again after like a week or whatever. But like in that moment, you're just like, yeah, okay, I gotta make food at home for the next like five days because this is Arby's makes that that sandwich with the nine meats or whatever we talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. You tried to order and they wouldn't let you, right? I couldn't get it delivered for some reason. Mm. You had to like go to the restaurant and get it because I wanted to do Joe eats with the fucking the meat stack. You know, um, but I don't know for whatever reason, who knows, but uh, it would have cost like, remember, it was going to cost me like $17 <laughs> That's right. I remember that. before, before the tip, just I to remember have it sent, that. Yeah. sent to the house. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. And that, that was, I think in like peak pandemic days too. So I don't even know how easily it would have been for you to even go and, and, and get it. So, um, yeah, I, I, that, that was, that was fun. But yeah, there are, there are limits to the Joe's eats and yeah, 17 bucks out the door for, for an Arby's meat. Mountain or whatever the hell it's called. Was, mountain, that was yeah, it, was that yeah. was that what it was called? Yeah, it looked yeah. it looked grotesque. It looked I mean, even on the standards of like grotesque fast food, that was grotesque. So it was uh do you remember the KFC sandwich where the bread was meat? Yes, the double down. Yeah. Yeah. I I, yeah. I got that once and that was absolutely terrible. It was the worst thing you've ever eaten in entirely. It was just greasy and oh it was gross. It was, <laughs> you know what it was like? It was like it was like biting into just a fucking block of salt. Uh, right, exactly. You may as well just go into your cabinet, <laughs> take the lid off of the salt container that you have, and just yeah. eat it. And that's it. And again, we're not food snobs. No, no. This no, thing no. was just it was two fried chicken patties <laughs> with like bacon. There was and bacon in it. Yeah, the bacon was almost the worst part of the entire thing. It was just so unnecessary. <laughs> it was just it was a cheese. sodium. It was sandwich. like bacon cheese. Yeah. Two fucking hunks of chicken. It was gross. Oh, yeah. Was... It was, and it looked so great. Like I remember running to to KFC the, the moment I knew that thing was available. I'm like, a sandwich where meat is the bread. This is brilliant. Who did who thought of this and why did it take so long? And I didn't enjoy it. What I did enjoy though, do you know the Taco Bell gimmick where the shell is meat? So I have seen that. I have not gotten it yet though. I saw I saw a uh, commercial about it a few weeks ago. Tell me about it. 
Oh, they're bringing that back? I think so. I saw. I, I don't know if that's just a localized thing. I don't know if it's a Chicago thing, but they definitely, I saw a commercial about it like a week or so ago. I'm going to have to run for the border. That thing was delicious. What the hell was that called? That was called the... Uh... Uh, someone in the chat says Naked Chalupa. Is that what it's called? That sounds familiar, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's a chicken shell. The shell is made of chicken. And then it's not filled with taco meat. It's filled with vegetables. So you're not getting like a double dose of meat. Which confused me at first. Right, you're just switching the meat, the the, the meat, and the <laughs> it, it, there's like like a swap going on here. The outside's well, the no meat, shell. the inside's the yeah, which is good. I, I like that. It's just no shell. You're just getting a you're getting way more meat than you normally would because the whole the shell is meat, and then you're getting the lettuce and the sour cream, tomatoes, whatever the fuck they put inside. And I was like, ah oh, man, I feel shortchanged. I thought there was going to be like beef inside, but then when I ate it, it was tremendous. It worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's tremendous. Yeah. So I'll I'll definitely be going back for that. They're, they're magicians over there at Taco Bell. I, w- I will say that, yeah. Like a- anybody, and and I'm you know I would consider myself on the low end of like a fast food eater, but I mean I will always defend Taco Bell. Anybody that says oh Taco Bell's gar-, I mean I will I will throw down to to defend the honor of Taco Bell. Yeah, they uh you know they got rid of the volcano sauce, which was very disappointing. But um you know I remember when they were getting rid of the volcano sauce, I was calling around to the Taco Bells to see if they had any left and if they'd sell me like their remaining case or whatever um because i know how shit works i know what they got sitting back there but uh i couldn't get anybody to bite yeah that's you know well, one thing i've always liked about taco bells and uh you know this is true as if they like take things out on and off the menu or whatever is that if you ever go to a taco bell and there's like an, a person that's worked there for a while and you say like and you just kind of casually mention hey what about like blank like anything because i remember for a long time the crunch ranch supreme was off the menu and there would be a Taco Bell by my house, and we would say, hey, uh, you know, we knew this guy was here forever, and we'd say, hey, can we make a Crunch Wrap Supreme or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. Because it's like, I, they have all the ingredients. You know what I mean? Like, everything at Taco yeah. Bell is the same five ingredients. Yes. Which is true of all Mexican food for the most part. Is It's just it's just different variations. So, yeah, th- this guy was awesome. Because, like, for years, he would make us a Crunch Wrap Supreme, and that thing was great. And then they eventually just brought it back on the menu. But, yeah, th- there's always, like, uh, if you go to a Taco Bell, there's always an OG there that will be able to make anything that they've had, you know, for the last 10 years. And it's really important that that, that happens so if anything falls off the menu uh, usually they can remake it for you which is great yeah they'll just ring up something that kind of costs the yeah same. yeah they don't care and, it's, and you're not being an asshole like you know there's like the right. you know 18 things secret menu items you can get at your local fast food and those are like annoying as fuck you know what i mean yeah. it's like you yeah. go to S- starbucks and you're like i want this the the, the purple unicorn and they're like ah, oh, you fucker all right yeah we can make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all right. They gotta dig through the, yeah, they gotta dig through <laughs> the fucking fridge to get, you know, this stupid food coloring that you want and stuff. But like the Taco Bell one is like, all right, it's just a tortilla and then we put this sauce on it, you know. Sure. Yeah. We'll make that for you, you know. Yeah. Goddamn internet, like mumbling under their breath. <laughs> right, right, right. It's always those are so stupid too. Like <laughs> their boss is there, so they're afraid to tell you no. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? It's yeah, no, fuck that. Secret menus, nah, fuck that shit. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh, my farts is what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it doesn't seem to get better or worse depending on what I eat either. Like, I, Yeah, I would I would just make a recommendation to maybe try the um, drinking a few a, a few less. I mean, it might be tough, but maybe maybe two. Uh, sir, sir, you're implying I don't want to have this problem. Oh, that's true. That's right. <laughs> I apologize. I mean, I mean, you're not trying to impress yeah, anybody else anymore. I mean, you're, you're good. You're pretty comfortable yeah, with your life, yeah. so. 
Absolutely. I mean, it seems it seems slightly uncomfortable, but I mean, if it's cool for you, it's cool for me. I don't care. I never have like stomach pains or anything. I can control it. It's like a superpower. Like I can control it if I need to. But when I'm alone, forget it. Ugh. I can only imagine. <laughs> it's just what you're grotesque. Doing are these? No, I, I hate to ask this in the uh, the first twenty minutes of our show, but are we? Are are they? Uh, you know. They they sound I've I've heard them before on the show and maybe not on the show but on our pre uh, smell wise are they are they grotesque or just pretty normal? Um, that's hard to say. I mean, I think I don't think anyone's a fair judge of the scent of their own. No, no, no. Have you have you gotten reactions from from? Oh yeah, the household. I mean, sometimes okay. it's sometimes they're horrendous. <laughs> Other times, I could tell you, I'm just I'm slipping them out because I've become a master of the stealth. I'm slipping them out, and no one's saying anything. So okay. other times they, again, I think that has to do with your diet. The worse you eat, the worse they're going to I, I would say that's true. Yeah, I, I, I would I would guess that the actual general gas is probably related to your amount of uh, carbonated beverage consumption and that mm. the, the smell is probably, yeah, relates to your food, which which if you're yeah. eating a healthy, you know, if you're eating a good, uh, you know, balanced diet, that, that would probably happen anyway. So you know what? That's good. Tell, tell Brittany that next time. It's good. Yeah. It should smell. That's right. That means I'm getting my well, veggies. I'm getting, you know what I mean? I'm getting, I'm getting all the vitamins. Uh, broccoli? Broccoli? Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. After the broccoli? Yeah. They, they seem to uh, kick up a notch after that. That's for sure. This is the stupidest show. <laughs> I can't believe people listen to this. Why, it's always, do, why do people listen to this show? Because it's great. I was gonna, I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to ask Joe about clams and if his farts smell when he has clams. And I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, I, I don't think clams do it. Why? You, you, oh, oh, man. Try it out if you want to. Uh, yeah. It, uh, clams really up that. Definitely, works, definitely works in this household. I'll tell you that. Because we'll go to a nice Italian restaurant and, and, and. I always tell Michelle, order something that you can't, that we can't make or that you can't make or whatever. Cause like when you go, like I can make like spaghetti and meatballs. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't order something stupid like that. Order like, uh, risotto. I can't make risotto. I've tried and I fucking, I'm terrible at it. She can't make risotto either. It's fine. Like, you know, order, you know, baked clam, you know, clams and, and, and stuff like that. Stuff that we're never going to make at home. And she always gets clams and I'm always just like, fuck. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's bad. I'll tell you. This is, uh, this is some burial here. Hope she doesn't listen back to this yeah, one. Well. Talking about her farting habits. Well, it happened. Hey, it's it's yeah the clams. So if you ever want, yeah, go go to the clams. But uh, yeah, that's what happens when the show topics are what they are this week. So uh, yeah, we're gonna get to it uh, here in a bit. We got Noah. We got some uh, some big shows from Noah. Big show from All Japan for Wrestling. A brand new Triple Crown Champion that we're gonna talk about. Gleet, Joe. We've done it. You were acknowledging Gleet. You have watched Gleet. And we're going to talk about Gleet. Uh, we have New Japan Resurgence, RevPro UK, and some uh, some interesting stuff going on with their return, including a uh, a major title getting vacated uh, in RevPro UK. And then I cannot wait to talk about this story as well. Uh, XPW Rob Black, he has reemerged, or I guess he's always been here. Nobody really noticed, but uh, he is promoting something that is very, very strange and very, very weird. And I. Uh, I'm weirdly excited to talk about it as well, but uh, we'll start out the show here uh, after the farts and clams and 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 Coke Z uh, investigation here. Uh, start the show uh, with some unfortunate news we found out just before we started to record today that uh, Del Wilkes, uh, who most people might know in 1997 played the Patriot in WWF, he also was in Global, uh, AWA, did some stuff in All Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Uh, Del Wilkes passed away. Uh, I think it was earlier today. I think they said a heart attack, and I believe he was only 59 years old, which I, it seems hard to believe. I felt like he'd be older than that, but uh, uh, Del Wilkes passed away at uh, 59 years old. And uh, what memories do you have of uh, of Del Wilkes? Um, I mean, he didn't have 
a long career. It's like it feels like he had a longer career than he really had because he was pretty much immediately on TV because I think it was less than 10 years. If you really go from like bell to bell, I mean, I'm sure there's like, you know, in terms of major companies and major promotion type stuff, I think we're talking 88 to 97, right? Basically in terms of major promotions. Well, let me think AWA. He was definitely there. I think he was way later stages though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was there when it died. So either 88 or 89 till death, which would have been 90 because he was the, the Patriot, uh, um, not the Patriot, the Trooper, which was his gimmick before he, he... <laughs> the uh, a gimmick that would get a, a lot of heat these days. But uh, yeah, he would because uh, he would come up and he would like write tickets for the heels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like a state trooper, yeah, like a right, right, policeman. Right. So he it was the Trooper and DJ Peterson were the very last AWA tag team champions when the promotion folded. They beat the Destruction Crew when Enos and Bloom. Moved on. They dropped the titles to the become, Trooper and DJ Peterson. Right, to become the Beverly Brothers. Right. Um, they may have gone to WCW first as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, or they may have been doing the Minnesota Wrecking Crew to deal while they were the Destruction Crew. That I can't quite remember the timeline on. But yeah, for all intent and purpose, they were leaving probably to go do the Beverly Brothers deal. But um, so, the, so Wilkes, Del Wilkes was with the AWA till the end. And then, of course, for pretty much his entire career, he was an all Japan guy. And honestly, I've probably seen more Patriot match as the Patriot. I've probably seen more Patriot matches from the all Japan days than any other promotion. Uh, now there was global where he feuded, of course, with the dark Patriot, mm-hmm. which was Doug Gilbert. And he had, he was one of the top guys in global for a while. That would have been, 91 92 ish yeah yeah i'd say yeah late 1991 through through early 92 i think was was global days yeah and then uh of course the stars and stripes tag team in wcw after global finished up teaming with bagwell they probably had multiple tag team title runs right i hear you clicking away so you could check yeah i was just trying to figure out how many title runs they had because i know they won the titles but i forget how many times they did it and it looks like uh, looks like they won them twice. Yeah, twice. So that yeah. that was be yeah, that'd be late nineteen ninety four that they won them twice. Yeah, and then um, of course the very short but somehow very memorable WWF run uh, with the Bret Hart stuff in ninety seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was barely there, but yet everyone remembers that that short run that he had with WWF, which probably wasn't even six months. Um, yeah, it was barely that. I mean, I I think he comes in. I want to say he comes in in August because I saw, I actually went to a house show. I went to two house shows around this time, uh, and I think it was yeah, it was August through. I think he's out by October at that point. And obviously, you have the the, the big match, the the flag match at uh, at Bad Blood, which obviously overshadowed by by many other things going on at Bad Blood. But yeah, that that's kind of the blow off uh, for all intents and purposes, and that's that's early October. That's October fifth. So yeah, he's there for you know August, September, October, you know, and then or August, September, uh, yeah, October, and he's he's out. He's just gone. So um, yeah, very very how, short run. How many pay per views did he do? He definitely had a world title match against Bret Hart. Yes, that. that uh, so I think the total pay per views. Let me. I know there's the Bad Blood match, and then he had a one night only. If you're counting that, it was Ground Zero is the one you're thinking of. That's the Bret Hart match. Uh, Okay, um, so I three. Do uh, so I don't. I don't know if we count one night only because that's obviously in England. For for American audiences, two pay per views: Ground Zero, Bad Blood, and then he's done. Yeah, I mean, he came in 
he feuded with the Hart Foundation, and then he just disappeared. And I don't even think he wrestled after that because, as most people know, he was done. No, yeah, that his last match is against Jim Neidhart in uh, October twenty first, nineteen ninety seven. That's it. Even though. If you live in the Northeast, you've probably seen the Patriots like seven times at indie shows. But, of course, as you're going to mention, that is not Del Wilkes. He sold the gimmick to Tom Brandy, who um, would often do double duty on these indie shows. Probably still is to this day. (laughs) Probably this weekend if we wanted to look it up, I'm sure. I mean, as Sal Sincere, which was his short-lived WWF gimmick, was uh, Salvatore Sincere. And he would wrestle as himself. Tom Brandy, and of course he was Johnny Gunn in WCW, so he didn't do that too much on the indies, I don't think, though. But he definitely, I mean, he would do, I would see him on posters, especially in New Jersey. I mean, I'd see him on posters constantly, you know, twice. You know, Sal Sincere versus whoever, and then the Patriot in the main event against somebody. You know, and then, um, you know, presumably getting paid twice. You know? Um, you know, and I'm sure some nights wrestling is Tom Brandy too. Why the hell not? So, yeah, he sold the gimmick to Tom Brandy, and then he was out, and he never really came back, Wilkes. So, but the thing about his short career is he was always in these somewhat high-profile national television promotions, the dying days of the AWA on ESPN, and then Global on ESPN, and then WCW, obviously, and WWF. You know, with all Japan in between. So if you were getting tapes, I mean, he wasn't just like a jabron in, in all Japan. He was a solid mid-card guy. Oh, no, I yeah. Mean, I mean, he's teaming with he, Kobashi. He's like, he's a, you know, he's not obviously going for the triple crown or, you know, he's not a big deal like that. But, yeah, he wasn't in like jabron, you know, opening tag matches. He was there with the big gun, the, the big guns almost the entire time. Yeah, I don't think he racked up a ton of titles in all Japan, but he'd be in the carnival every year and... um he he would be, I'm sure he had some wins against some decent guys in all Japan too. Um, you know, so he wasn't like a bottom guy. He was a he was firmly a mid-carder in uh in all Japan and he would do well in in the tag leagues some years and um like you said he would have decent partners and everything. He wasn't just like a lost post all the time. He wasn't one of those kind of guys. Um uh, I'm curious if he ever had a triple crown match. I can't think of one off the top. Uh, of my here, let head. me let me see if I can find that for you real quick. Yeah, I I, I don't remember ever seeing one of him. I've only kind of seen him in 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 tag matches, and then obviously, like you said, in in, in champion carnival. So let me let me find out. I'm sure he's had to have one or, or, or a few. It. I mean, because he was such a constant there, he had to have gotten in a, in a couple. So I can't remember one. But no, you know what? No, awesome. no. He he was in triple crown contendership league matches in 1995, but never uh, never got a triple crown. Triple Crown Contendership League. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he faced um, Akira Tawe. He defaced uh, Kenta Kobashi. Uh, he lost to Akira Tawe. He beat Kenta Kobashi, and they lost to Johnny Ace. So I don't know what, what that year. Is. What year did he? That's nineteen ninety five. That's July of nineteen ninety five. So yeah, I mean, see, that's you know, it's that this isn't full bore. Uh, you know legendary Kenta Kobashi yet, but that's not a, a, a meaningless. No, movie. that's, I mean, that's still a pretty big deal in 1997. Yeah. Or 1997. Yeah. Yeah. 95 or 97. Uh, what did I say? Oh, 95, 95, 95. Yeah. Because, um, by 95, I'm trying to think about Kenta Kobashi's push. He would have been many times a tag champ by then. 
um, all Asia and the main and the main line because he didn't win the triple crown until '96. Um, but he definitely would have been a tag champ by then. He would have been teaming with Masawa by then. So again, he was at a similar. You could look at it that way. The Patriot was at a similar level as Kento Kobashi in around you know '95 or so. Yeah, right, right. '94, '95 or so. Um, obviously. Everyone knew Kenta Kobashi was eventually going to be, you know, get a monster push and all that. And the Patriot, that was never going to happen for him. But, um, but again, my point here is that he wasn't just a lost post guy on the bottom of the card. You know what I mean? He's, he was a guy who was booked pretty well. And he was the kind of guy, whenever I would watch All Japan, it'd be like, even if I thought he was going to lose, there was the remote chance he could win. He was that kind of guy. I don't know if that makes any sense. But uh, where there was some, there were other guys where it's like, oh, that guy has no chance of beating a top guy. Um, so yeah, he had really good career in all Japan, and they they brought him back for years and years. So and he and he, and he his work was really good in all Japan. Like he didn't, he never seemed out of place. Um, and it's not like he didn't seem like a. A fish out of water. He had good size. He always looked great. He always looked good. I, I was going to say, I, I've watched a lot. I don't think that, I, I thought he was pretty bad. For most times, I was going to actually ask you if you, if you if what you thought of him uh, bell to bell. I've seen the All Japan stuff, and I've seen a pretty good amount of it. Probably not all of it, but um, I don't know. To me, he he really seemed like, I mean, the problem is he's in there with like all-time, all-time greats, and he's not he's not that level. Obviously, he's not you know he's in there with Kobashi and Masao and those guys. I I don't know. He 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 looked the part, but I I don't know. His bell to bell to me was always pretty uh pretty lacking, which is fine. It didn't matter though because he was getting good bookings anyway. All he had to do was come out and look like a million bucks, and, and he'd be fine. But yeah, I, don't, I always thought his work was was, was kind of bad. But I never thought of him as a super worker. I never thought of him as one of the best guys in, of his era. But I did. I never thought of him as like a bum either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fast forward his matches or anything like that. And like I said, I feel like he held his own in all Japan. I, I felt like he held his own. Um, so maybe I'm just a bit higher on him than you are. But at the same time, I never, whether it was all Japan or WCW or wherever, I, I also never thought of him as one of the top in-ring guys either um i thought he had a great look particularly for the era he's a big guy probably six three six Giant four dude. yeah i think i think he was always listed at six four um and yeah like 275 and just pure you know pure muscle and and yeah always always looked apart always as my father used to say, put together. He is definitely together. put together. Yeah, he was definitely a put yeah. together guy. And he he's definitely of, of a bygone era that that we will never see like this again in wrestling. I mean, that dude, he stopped playing college football, and then I think he was like wrestling for AWA. What like? Mo- I mean, it had to be months after they were just like, all right, here's the basics. It's a work. All right, you're good. Like go, <laughs> you know. And and we talk yeah. about that all the time with like the the, the WWE Performance Center, where you know. The the whole goal of the Performance Center largely is to, you know, was, I, I think, at a certain point to take, you know, star athletes and turn them into WWE superstars or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, they, they want a certain level of work from every single person that comes out of that Performance Center. So you have guys that are, that are in there for three to four years or whatever. And these guys are fresh off of, like, you know, big-time athletics. You know, maybe, you know, they've had Olympic people in there. They've had college football players. They've had basketball players, WNBA players. And, and those people are just kind of like, I don't really want to sit in a warehouse, you know, for two years. And and, and that what that wouldn't happen. AW was notorious for finding these athletes. You know, Vern Gagne would, would, would find these guys, basically give them the, the, the you know the basic rundown, get whip them into shape a little bit, 
tell them it's a work, show them how to do basic stuff. And then it was, okay, go. And you'll learn on the job. You'll figure it out as you go. And and most guys did. <laughs> you know, to his credit, yeah, he 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 did not have a lot of training. And I think he was he was probably he was fine for his era. I mean, he definitely didn't stand out as like a horrendous worker, I guess I should say, in his era. What do I think he was a great worker? No, but he definitely did not stand out as as, as a bad worker, which given his 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 training level uh is definitely something to to, to be to be known. He was an average wrestler to yeah. me. Um you know, you have Brad Rangus stretch a guy for a couple of weeks and then you just throw him in there. Um, but I mean, I've even heard Lance Storm talk about that. Like I, the Performance Center, they just – it's its excessive. I don't know what they're doing down there. Like Lance Storm would often say too, uh, he's like, I don't know. I trained for two or three weeks and then they put me in a match. He's like, then you just get in there and do it. It's like when you train, you know, you learn how to bump and then you learn spots. And then once you do that, you can wrestle because then you just do those spots and chain them together and you have yourself a match. They're going to suck, but that just comes with practice and time, you know? So it's like, I don't know why they keep people in the PC for a year or even two years before they ever show them the light of day. It's right, like and it's a detriment. Yeah, it's, it's overtraining. And, and we've seen many people, that, that especially a lot of the, the former athletes, just get fucking sick of it and leave. You know, Stacey Irvin is, is a great example of like, that's a dude that was probably like, all right, look, I'm fresh off of being like, you know, a champion gymnast. And, you know, he's in the fucking PC getting concussions and shit. And he's like, all right, look, what am I doing here? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here for another year and put this wear and tear on my body and get concussions and shit. Like, I don't need this. Sh- I don't need this. Like, I'm, I'm good. And, yeah, there's been plenty of guys, the, the guys and girls that have gone through there, legit athletes that just don't have the patience for it. Because it's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to waste my time for two years here. Like, let's go. Let's get, get the show on the road. Like you said, yeah, Brad Rangins takes you to the fucking barn, stretches you. Vern comes in, tells you it's a work. Here's how you throw a punch. Here's how you do a bump. All right, let's go. Like, And then you, you learn. You know, that's all you need. And then you, you figure it out when you go. There might be this thing with, you know, WWE being this international television product where they want you as close to a finished product as you can get before they expose you. And I kind of understand that side of it, yeah. too. Oh, sure, sure. Um, Because the the methods we're talking about, you know, Lance Storm is the example and the guys up in Canada in those days, you'd go on the road for three weeks in fucking Saskatoon and fucking 80 people would see you be terrible. You know, so I, I get the differences. I un- I understand, but that's how you're going to get better, working in front of crowds and having real matches, not in headgear class in, in the performance set. But at the same time, they're playing a whole different game too where – and Jeff Hawkins has always has harped on this point. They're not so much training wrestlers as they're training television stars. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's a big part of it, too. Training WWE superstars, television stars, yeah. Yeah, they want you to look good on TV. They want you to be able to uh, talk uh, and, and repeat scripted verbiage and know how to carry yourself and have your highly recoursed entrance down to a T. So it's the same every single time where you end up with the Miz spinning and pointing before he wrestles the fiend who tried to kill his child because it's just the same repetition. And you know, that that's what they're trying to do that too. It's not just about taking bumps and teaching people how to put together matches with sound psychology. Like it's more than that, what they're teaching. So I kind I get it. But again, I, I I'm with you. I, I, the PC has been open so long at this point. I mean, it's got it's it, and then the production has been so low, you know, relatively speaking, in terms of what they're pumping out of that thing, that what they're doing has got to be a detriment at this point. 
I mean, and the other thing about the PC is, it, is more than anything else, it was supposed to be a recruiting tool, you know, and, and that's the thing that they never really talk about. It was Triple H's idea of, okay, if we're going to get prime athletes, they have, we have to offer them what they're accustomed to coming out of top level uh, gymnastics camps or coming out of top level college football programs. Yeah, D- D1 football programs, D1 wrestlers, D1, yeah, yeah. That, those or from sort of- the NFL or from right. where. We can't send them to fucking the Funkin Dojo. Yeah, the Funkin Dojo. You know what I mean? Yeah, deep South. Yeah, we can't send them to Deep South. You know. Yeah, to some you know musky fucking you know (laughs) gym where Rip Rogers is gonna you know fucking berate them for you know if we can offer them this this facility that's a world class facility on the level of any place else that these people have trained. They're going to be impressed with that, and they're going to they're going to be more apt to try this. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure it's worked from that perspective. Yeah, there's been the one the one guy I know recently, the the top uh, college wrestler guy that signed there. I forget what his name was. Gable Stevenson is it Gable Stevenson? I think is the name. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it's even I don't even you know if he's official pen to paper on that either. Um, I forget um, if, if he is or not. Well, they had him at the takeover. Right. Yeah, oh, maybe he is. Maybe he is all, all the way ready to go. And then and the Parker Bordeaux, that guy too, I know is is another dude. But like, you know, is there a more amateur wrestling name than Gable? Stevens? No, it's like it's when that man came out of the womb. It was like you are an amateur wrestler. <laughs> like he had no choice. Like Gable Stevenson could not be like, Mom, I love you know science and engineering. I want to be an engineer. It was like no, you know when that yeah. when that man was when he was. He probably came out. I mean, imagine like out of the womb, he had to have already been like like broad shoulders. He's already like, you know, 72 pounds out of the womb or something like that. Because like you can't be Gable Stevenson and be a skinny little like it would have been terrible. How, what a tragedy if that man comes out and he's just a skinny little kid and, and just can't do anything. And yeah, he just loves engineering. He has no athletic ability like he he was definitely primed to be a. a it seems like a working name. Is it a working? It's it's a shoot name, though, right? That's not That's a working name. name. Gable yeah. Stevenson. Unbelievable. It's, it- and they'll change it, and they'll give him a horrible name. <laughs> right, one. right, because it's, like, it's the best name you could ever have, and they're going to definitely change it. So Yeah, yeah, they'll change it to Steve Gableson or something. And, and, and <laughs> His middle name. <laughs> I didn't know his middle yeah. name was Dan. That's perfect. Yeah. Of course it's Dan. Call him, they'll call him Dan. Gable um, Dan Stevenson. On, what a fucking name. And it's from Apple Valley, Minnesota. So he pretty much had no choice but to be a champion freestyle wrestler. So good for him. But, I mean, even when they get a hold, I mean, you know, they'll get a hold of a world-class athlete who is an absolute prodigy. And then, then he's doing RK bro. So yeah. does it really matter? I mean, they've completely lost the plot anyway. You know, it's like, that's why I'm not that excited about Gable Stevenson because look who he's working for and look at their track record lately of how they present people. And God forbid he shows a lot of charisma and is getting over and then they'll pump the brakes on it because they don't want him to get over yet. It's just a fucking mess. Yeah. So what's the point of ever getting excited about anybody? You know, cause they, they find a way even to self-sabotage on purpose at times, like they did with Braun Strowman and, you know, uh, there's probably Chad Gable, other Chad Gable, using the Gable term. You know, there's another guy too that you know, not not as accomplished, obviously, anywhere near on the level of Gable Stevenson, but yeah, still a guy that that you know, the first yeah. opportunity they had to make him a dork, they did. So, yeah, but this was a circling back to Del Wilkes, just a different era, and yeah, you'd go on the road and you just work prelims, and and then if you could survive and if you were any good, then you'd slowly move up the card. Now, in his case, 
he never really did the territory grind or anything. He was just, like I said, always on TV. Yeah, AWA to, to, to Global, to All Japan, to WCW, to, you know, back to All Japan, WWF, done. That's it. Like, Yeah, and when you look like that, you know, they're going to rush to put you on TV. So, um, real quickly, uh, what would you think? Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry go ahead if you... If you... I ne- no, it was, I wasn't saying anything important. Uh, what did you think of his 1997 run? Because I, I did see a lot of people being like, oh, he was great, and oh, what a great run, and you know, that, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I always remember, even as a kid, because I mentioned I went to a few of those house shows uh, in 1997, and I just thought, like, what are we doing? Why is this guy here? Like, what a fucking dork. Like, what? What? It was just so counterculture. I mean, that that's in an era where Darth was so doing the anti-hero and Stone Cold and, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels in this, like, pseudo. He hadn't gone full heel until, you know, the, the fall of that year, the late summer of that year. And they were doing, you know, the, the summer of the anti-hero and all that sort of stuff. And then it's like, all right, here's Apple Pie eating, you know, Southern Drawl, the Patriot. And it just, it was so... It was so strange and so weird, and especially in that 1997. And like you said, it's such a short run, but it's it's memorable as hell. Like people definitely remember it. But you know, going back and watching at the time, I didn't love it. And going back and watching it, I'm also just like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Like, who thought we needed the Patriots? You know, in 1997 WWF. But but what do you think at the time? Is a little bit of an older uh, viewer. Yeah, I was already a full blown newsletter reading smart at this point, and you know, trading tapes and stuff. So. I thought it was surprising. I was shocked when he showed up. Um, but I, I liked him from all Japan and I liked him in global. And uh, so I thought it was interesting. And I get what you're saying about what the culture of the company was at that time. But at the same time, he really was like a on paper, a great foil for Bret Hart at that time. See, now, now here's where I'll make a, an argument that I don't think he was because, OK, I, I get I get the understanding. And, that, and that's a, a classic the on paper idea. Yeah. Yes and no. So here's the thing. So the the classic Vince thing is like we need an Americana guy. Like that's always that's you know always tracing back to Hulk Hogan to Lex Luger. Yeah, that's always the go to is we need an Americana guy. And I think after this he finally dropped it for for at least a little bit uh, with with the Patriot. But the thing that 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 struck me as going back and watching some 1997 WWF, not so much at the time. At the time I was just kind of like you know like nine years old and he he was lame because I like Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was cool and the Patriot was kind of lame. But but like going back and rewatching it, like one of the things that that always strikes me about the era and I've had this argument with people before is to me he was the thing with Bret Hart is yes he was anti-American yes he was pro-Canada and all that sort of stuff but people it felt like the fans at the time and it felt like the the tenor of the company at the time wasn't necessarily that we needed to stand up for America it was more hey fuck Bret Hart this guy's a bitch. You know what I mean? Like that. That's Stone Cold Steve Austin wasn't like, well, goddamn, this is America. We do that. He wasn't like that. He was just like, Brett, you're an asshole. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like you're a crybaby. You're, you're a cry. A, you're it wasn't. Yeah. Hey, you, you don't talk shit about America. I live in America. He never did that. And right. Shawn Michaels never did that. They just said, hey, what are you crying for all the time? Like, what's your fucking problem, dude? Like, why are you being such a baby? And Ken Shamrock, the same thing. He was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, none of those guys were like, no, this is America. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, they didn't cut those promos. They were just like, stop being a crybaby. Stop being a bitch, Brett. And, and and then it was weird that all of a sudden, like, in the late summer, they decided to go, oh, hey, USA, USA, USA. And it was just like a very strange thing. I, I understand it was kind of a placeholder as they were kind of doing some some other stuff. But it, it just was so weird because the whole angle, yes, it was anti-American. Yes, it was pro-Canada. But, yeah, the WF side never really was 
pro WWF and the fans are, are pro America and the fans weren't really pro America. And yet out of nowhere, here comes this guy, you know, in a red, white and blue, tr- you know, pants and a, and a, and a fucking red, white and blue mask coming out with an American flag doing flag matches. And it was just so it was strange at the time. And, and it didn't feel like what fans really wanted. And I don't know that he got over to a huge, huge level either. And that's probably why he was in and out in, 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 in you know, two or three months, even though I think he might've had an injury as well, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've always thought it was a very, very strange, weird period in, in, in that feud. Yeah, so I can't really speak to that because at the same time, my interest was starting to wane a little in the company. I mean, I was still in. I wasn't totally out until the heart of the Attitude Era. That's when I just threw my hands and said, I can't do this. This is horrendous. Uh, But it seemed like, yeah, they just wanted to, you know, with Bret Hart cutting all the anti-American promos, I think they just – thought it'd be a great idea to have this guy was a walking flag. Yeah. Eventually they wanted to do, okay, we haven't done the pro America thing, but let's do the pro America thing. And that, that's when he came in. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, it didn't last. Um, you know, I I think everything, basically everything he did for the company on TV involved the hearts though, and the heart foundation. So I guess once that idea, once that ran its course, maybe they just didn't have anything else for him. Maybe they didn't think, I don't know. I don't know the story of why he left. I don't know if that was his. Decision I don't even understand the story of why he came in. To be honest, like it, it's, it, you know what I mean. Like I, 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 like even if you want to say that it was a good angle and all that sort of stuff, that's fine. Like I don't understand who in the room was like, God damn it, you know what we need? We need the fucking Patriot. Like, like there was no, you couldn't have a, any other member of your roster just be like, hey, you know what? Stop, you know, America, man. Like stop talking shit about America. Like you had to bring in Del Wilkes, the Patriot. I mean, it, like you said, he was the flag. He was literally a moving, walking embodiment of the. American flag, but it's just so weird that like someone in that room was like, God damn it, we need Del Wilkes. Like, that's what we need. It's just, it's so strange. I don't know who in the room would have even thought of him. Well, I mean, look at him. I mean, I, I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's just, yeah, I, it's that's a, that's a Vince wet dream and a, a walking American flag that looks like him. It's true. You know, so. You know that but he didn't like he didn't like him talking though. If you notice that Dell very rarely talked during that period, no, he no, no, occasionally no. cut a promo because man, there was no denying that one Mister Dell Wilkes was from South Carolina. <laughs> man, did he sound like he was from South Carolina? And yeah. you know Vince fucking hated his voice. Yeah, it, it, he got hurt, and then they cut him in eighty and ninety eight, so he got released. Okay, okay, okay. On his own. Um, so well, there wasn't it. much more you could really do with him after that angle, you, you know, like what, what he just comes and wrestles, you know, yeah, well, that God wins out. on the undercard or whatever. It's what he, he really would have been, it would have been a struggle for him to fit in with what was to come for sure. Um, but I'm sure like a lot of guys, he would have been repackaged and I'm sure they would have took the mask off him and, um, he would have definitely would have turned on America. Vince Russo would have had him oh, say, yeah. oh, America fucking sucks. Like, yeah, that's, no this doubt. company's I mean, garbage. <laughs> he'd become edgy in some way. Yeah, and, oh, for sure, yeah. And like everybody else in the Attitude Era, he'd wear black. Yeah. Because everybody oh, yeah, yeah. wore black. Um, you know, so that that definitely would have happened. Yeah, Cyrus but, would be his manager or whatever. The Jackal would be his manager. <laughs> he would talk about yeah, America. You know, their lack of freedom and <laughs> censorship or some shit. So, yeah. yeah. Would have been awful. Terrible. Yeah, but um, yeah, he never came back, and that was that. So one of the rare guys who never attempted a comeback, never hinted at a comeback, to the point where he straight up sold his gimmick that he had the rights to, you know, to another wrestler. So, you know, that was that. There's not much else left to say. We don't have a cause of death or anything. Uh, I think heart attack. I I, I think that's what I saw, heart attack. But uh... I'm sure he, you know, 
I mean, you know, the instant speculation is he was obviously on steroids. Oh, I think I think he even admitted it as well. I'm pretty sure he he was pretty open about it. Um, yeah. Once he but retired, I mean, but, so he yeah. could have had this. He might have that enlarged heart that all the guys yeah, of that era sure. had. Yeah. And um, you know, so that that's the you know, without knowing anything, the, the easy speculation there. So I'm looking at I'm looking at cage match in terms of like match guide for for the Patriots best matches you could find of him. Uh, it looks like this one almost five stars from Dave four and three quarters uh, from Dave. Also an eight point six five on cage match. Uh, Juni Akiyama and Masawa versus Kenta Kobashi and the Patriot from November twenty second, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I mean I'm not surprised. It's 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 like I said he never I never watched him in all Japan and thought they got to stop booking this guy. And obviously. The working standard was maybe like the highest of all time. Right, anyway. right, right. What well, it helps that you're in the ring there with three like literal. It does. <laughs> you know, top twenty five wrestlers of all time, which is certainly you know of that era. Most guys, as long as you could go in there and competently do anything, you were probably gonna have a good match because it's freaking Akiyama, Masawa, and Kobashi. Like you're probably okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about it. And you know, and I'm not trying to say that you know he was one of the top guys there or anything, but um. You know, he he wasn't. I never felt like he was a hindrance or or anything like that. He's just a a, a good, solid, average yeah, wrestler. Solid, solid worker for the era. Definitely, definitely cool. fit the era. Didn't didn't really overdo it and and didn't really need to. Um, it looked great. Yeah. You know, and and you know later on they brought in um they brought in um uh, Jackie Fulton as the Eagle. Do you remember that? So I, no, I was about to I, actually. I was about to say that this match sounds right up my alley, and I cannot wait to go and find it. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's February twenty fifth, nineteen ninety three. Kentucky Kobashi and and Kikuchi versus the Eagle and the Patriot. That sounds fucking great. Dave went four stars on that one. I, I'm very interested to see that match. Yeah, I'm telling. Listen, he's he had a nice body of work in all Japan. You know, um, was it? And then, um, you know, Jackie Fulton. Then. Uh, teamed with Bobby Fulton for a short time as the Fantastics. So there's, you know, a couple different, you know, when, when Tommy Rogers was out of the picture, but yeah, the Eagle and the Patriot were, uh, the all Asia tag team champs at one point. So, you know, he got, um, you know, a little title run there with, uh, with that gimmick. It, it's, uh, you know, he, he, he's probably a little better than you're giving him credit for in all Japan. I don't remember the WWF matches all that yeah, much. It wasn't great. It was it was it was pretty clear that it's, Brett thought he sucked too. Uh, and when Brett thought she sucked, he he didn't. Uh, I love Brett yeah. Hart, but there were times where you know I mean like yeah. when he knew this guy's fucking trash, like he didn't really put the A, a game in there uh, when he knew that this is just a placeholder. And I'm sure he was upset because and there was a lot going on in Brett Hart's life, you know, in September of, <laughs> of 1997. So uh, I, I get why you know maybe he wasn't in the best frame of mind. But yeah, th- those matches are not very good. And the problem was they were like, you know, it was a singles match or whatever. The main event, you know, or not the main event, but like a big time, you know, uh, title match or whatever. And, and and Brett probably thought the Patriot was beneath him at that point, which which he probably was. But, yeah, they're not very yeah. good. And I thought he was fine in WCW. I mean, he didn't like, again, he didn't really stand out, but. Yeah, you, you know, know, honestly, I, li- I like that team. I, I like a lot of early, you know, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell because he just kind of. He was just a fucking babyface, you know what I mean? Like he would just, yeah. 
he'd do a drop kick and then he'd go, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. basic ass shit. Like, especially with Scorpio, like he tag in Scorpio, Scorpio would do everything. Scorpio was good. And then you tag in Bagwell, Bagwell would throw a drop kick and they'd high five. <laughs> like it was, it was perfectly, it was exactly yeah. what it needed to be. And yeah, the Bagwell and the Patriots stuff, the stars and stripes, uh, they kept it very simple. And I actually enjoyed that. Cause I remember they had a bunch of matches with like, uh, Arn Anderson, and they had a bunch of ones with uh, Orndorff and Roma, if I remember correctly. And those guys would just bump like crazy for him uh, and make him look like a million bucks. A solid, they were like a solid TV team. They definitely worked for like Saturday night, you know, a five minute Saturday night match. Yeah, no, you know, for sure. And then, you know, Global, uh, you know, he, I'd come home from school and watch Global every day, and he was all over that. Yeah, I was just watching a, uh, a, a, a Raven, or what, what was his, uh, Scott Anthony, right, in, in Global. Scott, yeah, probably Scotty Anthony, Scott Anthony, right? And then yeah, Scotty I think Pringo so. Yeah, I think it was Scott Anthony when I, I was watching that match yeah. earlier today as I was kind of getting ready for the show here. And it was Scott Anthony versus the Patriots. And uh, Scott Anthony comes out and he's the, uh, what, what is he, the Palm Springs playboy or something like that. And it's like, yeah. not Palm Springs. What the fuck? No, I don't think he's Palm it Springs. It was similar to the Scotty Flamingo gimmick in WCW around the same time that he did. It was yeah, very yeah, similar. yeah. The, the problem, though, is he's, so he's cutting this promo backstage. And then he's rapping his promo, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's, it's the future Raven is just like, yo, I'm Scotty Flamingo, and I'm here to say, like, you know, the Patriots yeah. going down today. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, but it's well, so clearly, know, it's, like, 1992. It's like, it's like, you know, if you told, you know, Alexa to show you 1992, it's Scotty, you know, fucking Anthony rapping his promo to some, you know, woman with some teased blonde hair. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, what are we doing? That's global. You experiment. Yeah. Oh, global's great. I love it. Yeah, Global was a lot of fun, you know. Um, it really was. And a lot of people came through Global that you don't even think about that came through Global, you know. As I'm just going through some of the results here as I pulled them up. I mean, you know, Axis the Demolisher. You know, you get Demolition Axe coming through. You get uh, <laughs> the Soul Taker, you know, which is, you know, Papa Shango slash, you know, the Godfather. Um, obviously, Cactus Jack was down there. Everybody knows that. You know, you even had people like... Uh, Terry Taylor and Buddy Landell. It's just, you know, they, they, Barry Horowitz, who actually got a push, uh, you know, in global at one point, the winner, Barry Horowitz, I think they build them as, and, and then you had that mix of all the Texas guys like Rod Price and all those dudes too. So, uh, and then all the young guys that they gave breaks to. Yeah. Like, JL, lightning kid, all those guys. Yeah. We're awesome. Yeah. Hart, Booker T and, and Stevie Ray. And, and a lot of those guys got their very first break. In global, so there's, so there's still a pretty good amount of global you can find on YouTube and stuff. So that that might be that'll be a fun deep yeah. dive one of these days to to get into global. Yeah, and there's not like a you know it didn't last a million years, so you can kind of get through it in a decent amount of yeah. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, that is that's Del Wilkes. Obviously, I passed away at 59. Uh, if you're trying to watch Del Wilkes stuff, uh, go to All Japan. I'd say check. Type in the Patriot All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, there's a lot on there. I was able to find a bunch of it this morning um, or, or, or this afternoon uh, before the show. So definitely, uh, if you want to check any of those things out, uh, as I said, the, the Akiyama Masawa Kobashi Patriot from uh, November 22nd, 1996 is, is, is a nearly five-star match from Dave, uh, an 8.65 on cage match as well. So if you're if you're looking for one or you really want to see, well, geez, how was the Patriot in a near five-star match? Well, that, that's the one to, uh, to, to, to check out. So there you go. So then, anyway, Del Wilkes. Uh, passed away at age 59. So uh, we have plenty of other stuff to get to. Before we do that, I do have to let you know that support for the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast is brought to you by 
our friends at Manscaped, and they are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology of developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping. Again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FLAGSHIP at manscaped.com. Again, it's FLAGSHIP at manscaped.com. You got the Lawnmower 3.0, the best ball hair trimmer ever. You're going to get that for 20% off plus free shipping. You are also going to get the Perfect Package 3.0. That's got the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. You got all that stuff to keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. All that stuff is going to be in the Perfect Package, including a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that will have your junk feeling fresh all day, as well as a travel bag to store all of those grooming goodies. So you get all that stuff, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FLAGSHIP. At manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code flagship at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Again, flagship promo code there for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, let's, uh, let's go to uh, All Japan here. We got the Champions Night on June 26th, and we, Joe, we have a brand new Triple Crown champion, Jake Lee. Defeats Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi. He survives. Uh, the way the breakdown of the matches were was Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi went 18 minutes and 28 seconds in the opening match. Uh, this was a random draw, obviously. With the, the tr- it was three guys going in, random draw to kind of figure out you know which order the matches, and, and you needed to win two straight matches uh, to win the Triple Crown Championship. Uh, Kento Miyahara and, and Yuma Aoyagi go 18 minutes and 28 minutes in the opener. Jake Lee then defeats Kento Miyahara in 10 minutes. And then he just runs the table right after that, defeats Yume Aoyagi in 19 minutes to win the Triple Crown. So first off, uh, before we talk about the matches themselves, what do you think of uh, the, the decision uh, to go with Jake Lee? Right decision? W- would you have made this decision, or, or, or how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about last week, um, it's the right call. But, you know, coming out of it, I, I feel like the win felt cold. Um. I don't feel like he feels hot coming out of this. I didn't feel like I was watching the elevation or crowning of a hot new star. And that's kind of how you want to feel when you're giving someone their first run with the title here. And of course the clap crowds and all that matter. I'm so sick of talking about this shit, but even regardless of that, you know, it's still, he still didn't feel like it didn't feel like a special night at all. And that's really not the feeling you want to have, especially with a guy like this, where it's long anticipated for him to finally do win this title. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago when he was a prelim guy, you know, coming on this show and saying, this Jake Lee, he's going to be a guy for them because he's tall Mm -hmm. and when his body fills out and he's a decent little worker and this could be their guy. And, you know, this was even before Kento Miyahara got his big push. Um, you know, it's like this could be one of you know, so this has been a long time coming for him. And then we went through so many stages of well, we think he's the guy, ah no, I don't believe in him anymore. Well, now he's showing signs again. Well, I don't believe in him anymore, and just throwing the towel and then getting faith again, and now the heel turn. And I don't know. I I, I it's the right decision, and it just doesn't feel like this did anything for him. It, he doesn't feel like, uh, uh, you know, it didn't feel like some kind of crowning moment or crowning achievement. 
And I can't entirely chalk that up to the COVID crowd. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, to you, was it entirely? It, so it wasn't, though. You don't think it was just because of the COVID crowds. Because I was kind of wondering as well, okay, let's say that the, these crowds are the way they are, and you don't know when things are going to go back to normal in Japan. Obviously, things are looking a little bit better than they did about a month or so ago. But still, you have no timetable when the fans are going to come back. If you waited three months or whatever, let's say, let's say, I mean, hypothetically, and that, that is probably a positive, that <laughs> you wait three months, like, you know, would it have been better? Would it have been better to wait six months until the crowds come back? I, I, I don't know if that was it, but I, I'm with you. It, it felt when it was done, it was like, okay, this is the biggest moment. You know, this is a huge culmination. This is a big, I mean, he, he, he beats two guys in one night to become the champion. And I had the same feeling that you did. I was just kind of like, eh, yeah, that's cool. All right, <laughs> Jake Lee. And I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around, was it the clap crowds? Was it the, you know, th- that whole aspect, or is it just that it doesn't feel, does it feel cold regardless of the clap crowds? And and you seem to think that maybe it's a little bit of, a little bit of A, a little bit of B, maybe a little bit more of just, you know, the timing of Jake Lee winning the title regardless of the crowds. Did it feel like some hot title win to you? It didn't. No, it, it absolutely didn't. And, and I, 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 again, like I'm saying, I can't wrap my head around whether that is because of the crowds or because of, you know, the push and, and, and how things have gone. But no, it, it did not. It felt like, oh, cool. And then it's like, wait, this is a huge moment. Like when it was done, I remember watching it and being like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, Jake Lee's the champion. And I was like, wait a minute. No, hold on. Like, this is huge. This is a gigantic, you know, changing the guard, passing the torch moment. And it definitely did not feel like that at all. So I don't know. No. no. And, you know, um, the clap crowds don't help. Um, but I, I really don't think it just I didn't feel any kind of buzz or anything for this. And maybe it was the weird structure of the way that they chose to do these matches. I mean, he couldn't have been... I mean, he beat both guys, one after the other. Um, You know, they didn't waste any time. He got in there in the second match and beat Kento Miyahara, and then he beat Yuma Aoyagi. He didn't lose either match. Um, Now he is the heel, so they put him in there second with the idea of, okay, he's beating tired guys. But that's just wrestling booking. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's one-on-one. I I, I don't think they could have booked this any better, for honestly. Like, it would have been cool for them to maybe have a little bit of fun with this this style and have a guy, you know, have it go a little bit longer, have it be five matches. But when you really boil it down, when you really think, okay, what are we doing here? What is the goal here? If the goal is to establish Jake Lee as your top guy and establish him as your top heel... What he did was perfectly. And, and now you already have a built-in thing with Kento Miyahara again down the line. Because Kento could say, well, yeah, you faced me after I had just had a grueling match. Um, so that's, that's per- I mean, they did it perfectly. Honestly, from a, from a you know vacuum pro wrestling booking style, they did it perfectly. The heel got the advantage, beat the, the top baby face when he was tired, and then beat the, you know, the young up-and-comer after a, a good fight by Yuma Oyagi. Like, he, he gave it a really, really good fight, but Jake Lee was just better and just beat him. So, yeah, there's no better way to probably book it. Maybe it's a little boring, a little chalk the way they did it. But yeah, no, for, in a vacuum, they did it perfectly, I think. Yeah, it's the same thing as always with Jake Lee. I just don't think he's a dynamic performer. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's something lacking there in his performances. And, you know, I, I, I think turning heel made him a little more interesting because he was, I was all out on him. Oh, he sucks as a Until baby the face. heel turn. He's I mean, I, I had given up. as fuck, yeah. Yeah, just he's too... No charisma, no fire, and I was like, you know what? No more. I can't keep waiting for this to to, to switch the flip because it's never going to flip with him. So I thought the turn was smart. I thought the turn was good uh, to to give him, uh, you know. But but it's still a lot of the same problems. I just some guys just don't have that fire, and and it doesn't come through. And I just think he's one of them. And it's, and for that reason too, this this didn't feel like anything special or anything big. 
So, you know, they finally did it. They're going to run with them. I see someone in the chat room, and I'm not going to single the person out because I've seen it in other places too. They were saying, ah, oh, they should have just should have went with Aoyagi. And I can't disagree more. No, this is a triple crown, man. You can't just be throwing He's not around. ready for that. He's not even close to being ready. Aoyagi's a nice little wrestler. Don't get me wrong. And there could be some upside there. But he is not even close to being prepared for this. That would have been – I don't want to go that far. I will compare it to the people who are saying Jungle Boy should have beaten Omega. You're so off base. To, it, it, it's not a good take. I mean Jungle Boy is nowhere near being ready. Aoyagi is a little closer than Jungle Boy is. But Jungle Boy is years away from being ready. I mean you put the title on a guy like Jungle Boy now, you may harm him. Because he's going to be exposed for not being ready. He can't even cut promos yet. They've got Christian out there cutting his promos. He doesn't have the the uh, the confidence or the uh, the right energy for the role. That's a long and and Aoyagi is similar. Okay, again, I I think he's further along than Jungle Boy is, but um, he's not ready for a Triple Crown title. I mean, that, no, I w- so no, I don't think that was the move. The move was either crown Jake Lee now or go back to the comfortable hand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you got to be careful. Like you said, you got to be careful giving the title too early to guys. I know a lot of people really like that, you know, the, but the surprise guy that doesn't deserve it championship run is usually not very good and doesn't usually go very well. We're going to talk about a guy, you know, pretty soon here in, in Noah where, you know, that idea and that concept really probably didn't help the guy. And now they kind of have to rebuild it and all that sort of stuff. So. I don't know. Yeah, that that top crown, that top title, I don't think that guys, unless they're truly, truly ready, I I don't. I I think it can do more harm than good, like you said. It it, it exposes those people. And there's a certain working standard that you have to be. Not that Yumi Oyagi, because he's great. He's really, really good. But like you said, it could hurt him down the line. So you, you do it when you're ready for him. You don't do it right now at a kind of a surprise. And, and that, guy, it, that guy's not a world champion. No, right? it's not. It hasn't been built up very well either. But yeah, you can't have a guy out there, you know, you may have this blue hair going out there winning the triple crown. Like, come on. We, we got to have some standards here for the triple crown. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't have any high hopes for this. I think Jake Lee, I think he is what he is. He's he's not super young anymore either. He's in his 30s. Um. You know, some guys have it. Some guys have that that thing that superstar <laughs> that superstar pro wrestlers have, and he does not have it. You know, so. Um, but but with that said, they it, you know you got to shit or get off the pot at some point, and this isn't a deep company. <laughs> they don't have a lot of other options. So if they don't want to just go back to Miyahara, what are you going to do? I mean. Yeah, oh yeah, now I think is the time, now Now that you've done Lee, I think you now circle Yume Oyagi as, okay, now here's our next guy that eventually down the line, a year from now, whenever from now, we want to crown, we want to at least get him to that level. I think he's got to be your guy, because like you said, there's not really anybody else that you definitely have ready for that, and and, and that's fine, like I, I I get it, but yeah, there's there's some fun stuff with Jake Lee out of this now, uh, I'm pretty interested to see uh, him defending the title against a few of the guys, but like you said, it's not very deep. Uh, so he's going to run through those guys pretty quickly here, and and that's going to be a, a, an issue, as as it always is in all Japan. Is that you know? And then fucking Ashino come out. The guy never wins a match. <laughs> he's, you know, and, and and it's almost parody at this point. Like they have this guy come out, and you know, Shuji Ishikawa comes out. <laughs> didn't like, he? He lost earlier in the night. Am I am I correct? Like I didn't dream that, right? Ashino, yeah, he lost. Yeah, I mean, I didn't dream that. Like he definitely his team lost, right? 
No, total, Eclipse, total yeah. Eclipse cleaned up. They won the six-man titles. They beat Ashino again. Yeah, you can't uh, swagger walk out there and say, all right, <laughs> what's up, pal? Give me that title, baby. Let's go. He was teaming with a, with a jabron, but he's right. still, he was but on still, the losing you side. Can, if you're, if you're going to swagger walk out there for, to, to get the title, you better you better carry your guy to a win, you know, even with if you're with a jabron. Yeah, you can't, can't get down there all puffy-chested and go, all right, man, that's mine. And it's like, where the hell are you? Like, get out of here. What yeah, it, it, the way they book him, what justification? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't get it. On earth does he have for strutting out there? Rich, he lost to Jake Lee in the carnival. Yeah. <laughs> right? He has no no justification. He, he and didn't even yeah, it's not like he could say, Oh, well, I beat you in the carnival. <laughs> right, like, right. Which that's is traditional weird. booking. I don't understand what they do with this guy because they're not they don't bury him, but they bury him. It's like a weird thing because they they think that they can use him in spots like this, and they do use him in spots like this, but then they have him lose every time in between there. I don't get it. I don't understand because we we've been screaming about this for a year now. Like, have him pick up these big wins. Have him win, you know, some of these champion carnival stuff. Because then when he swagger walks out there and challenges for the title, there's some justification. But for some reason, uh, uh, Booker Man Suji just has him lose all the time, and then he swagger walks out and asks for the title anyway. And it's like, what? I think it's just. I mean, look, I get the idea of you're an outsider, pay some dues, but then don't have him challenge for the title. Then right. They they the problem too is they pushed him right out of the gate. Remember, in a very early pandemic, before there were any fans, they pushed them. They gave them a, a monster push. They didn't lose. They didn't lose for months. Yeah, they didn't lose for two months or whatever. To the point where I was like, belt them up. Yeah. Have them beat them. You know what I mean? But they didn't. And then it's like, okay, I thought they were going to keep him hot and have him just, okay, he's a new top guy. No. You know, he, he not only that, but he gets booked like a geek at every turn. So him coming out there is ridiculous. Now, it turns out. Um, he's not getting a title shot. He's going to be in the number one contender match against Ishikawa. But, um, and I have all those cards, but we'll, we'll do that after we run down this card. Um, so that'll give me a minute to find it. But um, they're doing a number one contender match. So he may end up losing that and getting booked like a geek again. Like, obviously, if I'm booking it, Ashino beats Ishikawa. Because what the fuck? Suji Ishikawa in 2021? <laughs> He beats him, and then yeah, the story. On. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give some credit to to Booker Man here in a little bit. So, so hold it off. And then the, the story is easy because Jake Lee cheated to beat Ashino in the carnival, so Ashino could say, "All right, I won my number one contender match, and you can't beat me straight up." Like the story writes itself. I get that, but he's probably gonna lose. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, as far as this match or these matches go, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Um. You know, you want to go notebook on this as a as a giant blob? I can't kill you for that. I mean, what they chose to do was do three real matches with legitimate length instead of a bunch of short matches, which would have annoyed you. I know that would have annoyed you if they if guys were winning with roll ups and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. If, if Kento Miyahara pins Aoyagi in you know three minutes or whatever, and then Jake Lee beats Kento Miyahara in five minutes, yeah, it would have been stupid. I hate that stuff. These were right. these were legit matches. That opener was a legit match between two somewhat balanced e- equals there in Kento Miyahara and Yumi Aoyagi. And and I thought I thought they booked this perfectly because I think, you know, Kento and, and Aoyagi went out there and they had a war. Like they had a really, really good match. I would say of the three, that was probably my favorite. They just went out there and beat the hell out of each other, beat the hell out of each other. Kento kept trying to put this guy away. He's not going away, he's not going away, he's not going away. Then eventually he does beat him, but it's 18 minutes and Kento's just fucking done. He's just absolutely exhausted from this. And then I thought they played it up perfectly where Jake Lee goes out there and just beats him in 10 minutes. I mean, it wasn't like a super quick beatdown, but like Jake Lee's kind of playing with this guy for a little bit. He's not, he's not really dominant. You know, he's, he's pretty much dominating him from the opening bell on. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were good matches. I mean, I don't know how to grade something like this. Not that anyone really cares about star ratings anyway, but I mean, actually, a lot of people do, surprisingly. But um, no, I thought, I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought it was well booked for what they were trying to accomplish in the matches, and everybody worked hard, and the matches were good. And, and Yuma Aoyagi is a nice underdog babyface. You know, you can see why people get behind him. I don't think he's championship caliber yet, but he's a guy you keep building, you know, and you see what happens. Uh, and then, yeah, that's 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 all I have really have to say about that. I mean, I, I don't know that I expected these to be like tremendous, tremendous matches. I, I think I'm probably like four stars on the entire block, if you want to say that. And I would say the first match, the, the Kento uh, Aoyagi, I'm probably four stars on. And then, yeah, everything else was, was fine. Like the, the Jake Lee Aoyagi at the end, I mean, the last one, 19 minutes, they tried to make it an epic, but it didn't really, to me, it didn't really come across that way. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Jake... Jake Lee's a weird one for I I, I like the heel character, but it's just yeah you don't get jazzed up, man. I don't know you just don't. Uh, and I think a, a large problem of that too is that I don't know that all Japan has a really good like foil to that. I think Kento Miyahara is probably the only guy, and it, it it stands to reason that every you know great Jake Lee match usually involves Kento Miyahara. Is like if your Jake Lee is going to kind of be your he's kind of has yeah Jay White thing going about him where he's a little plotting, he's a little this, and you need that like uber baby face that's going to kind of counteract that. And they don't really have that other than Kento Miyahara. They don't have that in the in 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 their main event. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next uh, you know few months here. But you know, largely, I, I think I'm probably positive on all Japan right now. I think there's a lot of fun directions. Uh, we'll see how they fuck it all up though in the next coming months because I'm sure they he just has no fire and no personality. Yeah, and that's a... kind of the gimmick now is the heel. Like, is that that's what he does? Which is again, like I said, is is fine if you have the other well, side needs to be. Was, at first, he was more boisterous as a heel. He was like more uh, uh, like he. I don't know, like traditional heel mannerisms. He would cackle. He would, but he's just right back to being fucking dopey Jake Lee, who yeah, has no fire yeah. and no personality and no charisma. He's and, a, he's and, a play pro wrestler guy, like we always say. He's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He, it, it's not natural for him at all, which is is, is his, tough. With his dumb hair and his stupid <laughs> chubby cheek. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about Jake Lee. So. Stupid chubby cheek, Jake Lee. Get him off my screen. Um, yeah. So I did watch. You know, I you watched the whole show. Uh, I saw the entire show, every minute of it. What do you think of these Saito brothers? Um, <laughs> they seem nice. They seem like don't nice quit guys. your day job. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> I think I, 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 uh, on the Voices of Wrestling Slack, I don't know too much about the uh, the Saitos, but uh, I asked, uh, hey, how long have these guys been wrestling? And people were like, yeah, you know, a couple matches, you know, a few months here and there. And I was like, uh, do they keep a good rapport with their prior jobs? Like, <laughs> do yeah. they have degrees and something? Like, uh, you know, do they have have they stored money aside? Or do they have a hookup at a, at a at a at a job? Because I mean, they're still very young, right? They're still learning the ropes here. Um, They've had less than 10 matches each. Yeah, that's fine. Um, um, they're not very good. They're pretty terrible. It, it's like, okay, I see what they like about them. They got great size. Uh, oh, they look great. Guys. When they got in the ring and I had never seen these guys before, I was like, holy shit, let's go. And the bell rang and they went at each other. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> like they're throwing these like the worst strikes you've ever seen in your life. And you're just like, oh, all right. All right. Well, I think they would have fared better like 30 years ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. Onoki would love these dudes. They'd, I, they'd, they'd probably win the IWGP. So I mean, just their style. I mean, here's the thing. They don't look like this comes natural to them at all. That's that's the yeah. big that's oh, the yeah, big yeah, thing. Yeah. It's sort of like what I always say about Dominic. Very similar in that it just doesn't feel like they're naturals. It feels like 
it's always going to be a little awkward and a little bit of a struggle for them. Um, but they're very young into their careers. The company is a million percent behind them. They're in the Royal Road Tournament, which we'll talk about. I've got the brackets. Don't don't panic, Rich. I've oh, got man. it. Man, thank God. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, they look fucking horrendous right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's early. But... Um, I don't even see like a lot of ironic praise. I think people aren't even willing to go <laughs> to like, <laughs> uh, you know, you know. But um, hey, let's listen. Let's see where they are in six months. For sure, you know? for sure, for sure. You, know? you, you see, you see that they're like they, they have good looks to them. I would definitely, yeah, I, I would. It's a fun. It'll be a fun trial to see what happens with these guys. Because yeah, it, is in, there something refreshing about a four minute match with two guys who just clobber each yes, other? And, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, it, then, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then one wins. I mean, yeah. is there something refreshing? It's just it, it's that? funny it's, because it, they look like toddlers like fighting. You know what I mean? Because they that's don't what like, I mean. Their their movements are not natural. No, they, no. They they look like seven year olds like fighting, like like you know, play fighting or, or maybe, you know, getting yeah. upset about sharing a toy or something like that. But the best is someone compared them to the the way they move to giant Baba and like Akira Tawe. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like, they are. Like, I, I get why those guys I, are these guys. How tall are these guys? They're not like, I, I would, I, you know, I'd let, I let Akira well, Tawe get away. Okay, well, those are, those men had incredible charisma. Okay. That's <laughs> right? thing. Yeah, it's also, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like one of them's an all-time fucking legend, and the other isn't too far behind in terms of star power and legend and all that. And 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 really, I mean, Taue, when you really break it down, if he didn't have charisma, he never would have made it. Oh, like no, his no. whole thing was that heel charisma that he had, and he was a fucking bastard. And he'd fucking, you know, he he Akira Taue didn't make it because he was fucking uh, uh, Will Ospreay. Okay, he made it because he because the way you know he came across. So these guys are going to have to find that because I really don't think athleticism is going to be their ticket to uh, to wrestling stardom. So, so they, they're uh, they're both thirty three years old, and they spent eight years in a sumo stable before uh, they did this. Is, is what they I'm move saying. like sumo guys. I they, was going to say they do. They they, cl- you know? they they punch like sumo guys too. Unfortunately, which yeah. is, they don't punch. They don't even really elbow strike. They just kind of they kind of move you off of a, a block, which is great in, in sumo, less so in uh, in pro yeah. wrestling. So you know, we talked about the PC and New Japan does the same thing. They'll hide you in the dojo for months and months and months. All Japan doesn't have that luxury. I mean, they get guys. They have no. They have a thin ass roster. You get two guys like this who are unique. I can understand why they're rushing them. I get it, and, and you, you know, and putting them in front of fans before they're ready because you're no, you're not in the position to fucking wait around, you know. So you hope they catch on. Yeah, well, especially when they're thirty three. It might be like, a, hey, let's just That's get right. you out. Let's get you out in front of people, and maybe it clicks, and maybe it doesn't. But we'll find out in a year or whatever. Which I, I respect it. I respect the opportunity, or the, you know, the attempt at yeah. doing it. So, and the good thing is, if I honestly, I'd probably just have these guys fight each other for you know a year straight. Because I don't know that you necessarily want to get them in there with other guys. Because I do wonder if it would be it would be so disastrous and they so expose themselves. But when they're ready, they'll, they'll be hey, ready. Hey, listen, so. we'll talk about the railroad in a minute. Um, so. Three-way tag team match. Listen, this isn't your father's All Japan. Okay? So three-way tag match. <laughs> hey, now. Um, Sugi scores the fall here. He's the best. Sugi rules. Classic Pearl booking. We should have seen it coming for him coming out for the challenge later, right? But honestly, <laughs> were you thinking it? Honestly, I was not thinking Sugi's coming out right now to challenge. But I am never – I am so – I've been watching Japanese pro wrestling for like 30 years, and I'm still, I'm still so stupid – that these early card wins, I never think, oh, this guy's coming out later. This is this should be obvious. I, I still to this day 
very rarely does that thought cross my mind. You know, it's it's weird, but this is like a flashing neon sign in hindsight. Oh yeah, this makes sense. Why did Sugi of all people pick up the fall in this match with all these other people that could have done it? Because he was going to come out and challenge the fucking junior winner later, and that's exactly how it played out. So, but uh, I got no issue with pushing Sugi. No man, I love Sugi. Man, I was gonna I was gonna talk about it after when we talk about the the junior heavyweight title. I'm I'm, I'm down with a Sugi, a big time Sugi title match. I'm 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 down. Yeah, I love Sugi. Yeah, so he's a lot of fun, you know, and he won this Does with his... crazy uh, shit, flips all over the place. Like, uh, yeah, I'll always, always respect he's, Sugi. He's toned it down a little, over, you know, in recent he's, years. He's gotten a little older, I get it, but he's still, he can still do it every so often. Yeah, he won it with his classic uh, flippy gimmick in this one. I have no idea what he calls it. And, uh, you know, so then we had uh, the old man, eight-man tag. I think the combined age here was like 973 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, look for and for, yet one of the youngest guys was probably the worst guy in the match. So. Oh, Chikara! Yeah, yeah, Chikara is. Yeah, if Fushi, if Fushi can barely. Crazy. I mean, he can't stand. He's so old; like his body is crumbling, and he can still work so much better than Chikara can. Yeah, he's so. Koshinaka had so many health issues. Did he? You know what I mean? Like that guy's been yeah. through so much, and he still gets in there and fucking bounces around. He's still got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just you know his body broke down on him. But Chikara is so bad. Yeah. But that that Fuchi Takasugi Koshinaka Hijikata team, like that, the combined age is like oh, well it's over it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it's, I think Koshinaka might be the youngest guy, and he's like what sixty one. No, I think it's Hijikata is like 40. oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. But um. A 43. He's not even like that. He's a spry youngster. <laughs> spry 43. Guys. Yeah, what's Koshinaka at this point? He's 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 ready for an NXT run. Koshinaka's <laughs> yeah, right. um, 62. That guy looks good for 62. He looks good for 62. I, yeah. I hope I look like him at 62, man. That's throwing his ass at everybody. Yeah, I'd like yeah, to throw some ass know. around when I'm 62. That's not bad. Good for him. Yeah. But Chikara, I mean, <laughs> now look, I get it. He's not a full time wrestler. I understand. Thank um, God. We all know his family, you know, for what maybe people don't know. His grandfather's fucking uh, Ricky Dozan. His father's Momoto was a wrestler for years and years and years. He's a part-time guy. He's carrying on the family lineage. Each progressive generation gets worse and worse. That family. <laughs> I, was I really hope Chikara doesn't, you know. His spawn, but, um, yeah. I don't know what Chikara's spawn's going to be like. but uh, yeah. and, and he really does, like, try hard. Like, yeah. Oh, no, no. Sense. He wants to be good at wrestling. He's just <laughs> He's, not. And, he always eats the fall. He ate the fall here. So it's not like he has any ego or he's like, oh, I'm Ricky Dozan's great. No, he fucking always eats the fall. Um, but he's just terrible at this. Now, I think he has a really good – isn't he a doctor or something? Oh, I don't know if that – I actually don't know off the top of my head. I could just be – that could be a fever dream. But I, I think he has like a really good shoot job and he just does it for fun when they call him up for big shows like this. You know, it's the fucking – uh, what is this, the 50th anniversary gimmick they're doing or whatever, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like, but he is really horrendous, I mean, um, and the rest of his team was Osama Nishimura and um, Nakano and Sushi, who we just talked about, didn't we just talk about Sushi? Oh, uh, we did, yeah, I talked about, yeah, I was week. I was, I was watching the uh, Slammiversary, uh, you know, old Slammiversaries, and yeah, he was he was compared to, uh, he, had a, he had a tryout match, and he was a combination of Keiji Muto and Chris Benoit in that match, so, uh, in this yeah. match, Joe, he was not a combination of Keiji Muto and Chris Benoit, so. No. No, yeah, he was Paris slightly was worse than both of those men at wrestling. So, so big night for Total Eclipse. They win the six man titles. 
Uh, this is uh, Tajiri, Yasuke Kodama, and Hakuto Omori was the combo here. And they take those six-man belts from uh, your boy, the spry youngster, Takeo Omori. That's what a, I, that's a hell of a team. That's a hell of a three-man there with Black Mental Ray and <laughs> Carpel Ito. I, I like yeah. that team. That's a good little, good little unit. I like when wrestlers are the sponsor. The Carbell Ito game. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I'm fucking wrestling. Like, if I'm paying for this show, I'm wrestling on the show. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Good for you, pal. That's the gimmick of the sponsor, like the Carbell. Like, remember Gato Ever Ready in AAA all those years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because do you know who Gato – don't look it up. Do you know who Gato Ever Ready is Oh, you've given me this question before, and I I blank on it every time, and I'm blanking on it again today. I don't know who that is. And every time you're like, no. Oh, isn't it like it's like Matanza? No, it's not Matanza. Uh, it's uh, what's his face from Lucha Underground? Uh, Mil- uh, no, fuck. Drago. Drago. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Drago is was Gato ever ready? He's older than people think. I think Drago is like. Uh, I I don't want to say he's pushing fifty, but I don't want to not say he's pushing. I've 50. I've seen Drago without his mask, and yeah, that man is is. He's an old man, for sure. <laughs> he definitely does not. The mask is helping him a lot, as it helps many, many, many luchadors. So good for them. But uh, yeah, uh, we had a long way. 45. 45. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. probably fair. Yeah. El Gato Ever Ready. Yeah. yeah we had, we had uh, a whole. Then we went through all the. We had a, a random discussion about that a couple years ago. It took us like an hour <laughs> going through Drago's you know, history and the Gato Ever Ready and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'm down. I like, I like sponsors getting in the ring there and wrestling. So. Carbell Ito. Um, <laughs> So yeah, they, they they you know so they they wanted to make it a big night for Total Eclipse. So yeah. uh, you know I, I get it. They even won the next match, which we kind of talked about earlier. Koji Doi and Kumura Arashi. They beat Shotaro Oshino, and he was teaming with uh, you know Ryuki Honda, which you know you knew you know it's a kid, and um, you know he was one of those Wrestle One guys, and and he's latched on a Wrestle One young boy, and he's latched on with with All Japan, and he's a nice little worker. Yeah, I, I like for, him for a twenty year old kid, you know. But um, you know, short match and and um, total eclipse was just again the foreshadowing here. Are we all just dumb? We should have saw this coming. I mean, it's just the whole unit was cleaning up all night, so you kind of saw uh, the Jake Lee thing coming. Yeah, the, uh, the problem is like as you said there, you you have him team with Honda, who's who's a young boy, and you know that he's going to take the loss here. But you don't have to have the man that's going to challenge for the world title, you know, right. lose in a young boy match. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, why did you do that? You, you didn't have to. So, it's, Well, the it's... counter argument would be, where else does he fit in on the card? And my counter argument to that is, why does he have to wrestle on the right. card? Yeah, exactly. Okay, he could just come out later. Um, you know, there's things, there's ways around it and other things you can Right, do. you don't have to have him lose and then challenge for the title later. You, you chose to do that, and that's not smart, but whatever. Right. So what's going to be a theme on this show? Strong hard. Did <laughs> you play the song right now? That's... Yeah, and I mean, I really think that both on this show and the Gleet that we'll talk about later, since Rich has uh, strong-armed me into watching the Gleet, I can't imagine a lot. I mean, they just they come on these shows and it's just a different energy. Oh my god, they were I mean, so they were so here. good here. They were you know? so good. Yeah, they, they, you hear that strong hearts, and then they come out and it's just fucking the bell rings and they just do shit for however long the match is going to be, and it's awesome. And they're all over the ring and they're bouncing all over, and I'm just like, fuck, this is great. They're so good. 
I'm going to save a lot of my strong heart takes for later. Yeah, but there's plenty of opportunities to talk strong hearts later. So you know they were they were awesome in this yeah. eight man tag. You know they beat Purple Haze. This That's, is a good uh, match in general. This is probably my second favorite match of the entire night. I mean, it only you know what you're not wrong. It it's, went six it, minutes, but man, was it action packed in six minutes. It was. I can't awesome. kill you for that take. I mean, if you weren't in love with the junior match, where else are you going to turn? I mean, I guess the Ishikawa match was okay, but um, yeah, I mean, this was a, a you know an awesome six minute sprint style match and. You know, Zeus, uh, Izanagi, Iri, and um, Utamaro, I guess, is the other. I should just put this in front of me. Hold on. I keep bouncing back and forth. Yeah, Utamaro, the Purple Haze guys. So, yeah. And then the Yoshitatsu thing, which was an utter disaster. I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was billed as a different style fight, and it certainly was yeah, different. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely different. Uh, does Yoshitatsu do anything where he doesn't look like an absolute fucking dork? No. I mean, he comes out wearing the smallest trunks you have ever seen, Joe. Yeah. No knee pads, small boots. He looks well, he like he's in his Noki, underwear. He was doing a Noki versus Ali is what he was doing. Yeah, but here's the difference. Like, there's a bit of a difference. There. There's, yeah. Here's the difference. Antonio Noki and Muhammad Ali were in that fight, and this fight had Yoshitatsu in it. So that, uh, and whoever Yosuke Nishijima is. Yeah, this Apologies to Yosuke Nishijima if he's some kind of big-time Yeah, Japanese who cares because he fucking sucked here and it was boring as hell and I hated it. So He's wearing like 30-ounce gloves, the Nishijima guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, what is this shit? You know? The best um, is so Yoshitatsu wins. I'm using wins in quotes. And the fans don't even clap. They're not even doing anything. And he, like, like he's fucking Mil Mascaris. He gets in the ring and he bows, and then he bows, and then he gets to the other side of the ring and then he bows. And finally, just to get him out of the ring, like, you know, or, or you know, uh, Mystico style, like, ten fans just go, all right, <laughs> you know, just get out of a yeah. ring. Go away. Like, he's sitting there yeah. bowing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they're like, no one's doing anything. They're like, just go away. Yeah. Get out of here. We want to watch, you know, real wrestling. And then finally ten people just go, eh. and then he goes, okay, and then he leaves the ring. And it's like, thank God. Get this out of here. What Very is experimental. This? Yeah. Well, experimental. yeah. So Suji Ishikawa, he would come out later. So obviously he successfully retained his uh, Gayora TV title against Yuka Miyamoto. We all kind of figured he would, but especially if he's coming out later to challenge. So, I mean, it's fine. I don't know. I, you know. Oh, I, li- I, I like this match a lot, man. I don't know. I, I thought oh, it was. Well, then you take, then you talk about it. I then. thought it was, I thought it was way, maybe it was expectations coming in. Maybe I'm like, ah, fuck, it's Suji Ishikawa in 20, 2021 and he's not very good anymore and yada, yada, yada. And Yuka Miyamoto, I've never been a huge, huge fan of. And I thought they went out here. I thought they worked their ass off. I thought Ishikawa looked really good here. This is the best I've seen him look in a long time. I mean, there, there was that period a couple years ago where he looked like he was absolutely washed, like he was done. And uh, I still don't know that he's like, you know, he's not. He's not Suji Ishikawa from you know five six years ago or whatever, but I think I thought he was really good in this match, and and I thought this was a, a real fun eleven minute back and forth match, uh, good action throughout, and 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 yeah, a lot of back and forth stuff, and uh, Ishikawa got the win as, as you probably expected he would, but uh, I thought this was over delivered. Now, did I think this was like the match of the night? No, no, I didn't. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but but I, I think it's right up there. I, I'd put it at least at the second or third best match of the night, which you know isn't saying much because a lot of the other stuff didn't work, but but I, I don't mean that with faint praise. I I really do think that this was a solid. Solid, solid match, like three and a half, three and three quarter, you know, star match. I thought Ishikawa had a period there a few years ago where he was among the best wrestlers in the world for like a three or four year period. And I think the back end of 2019 and 2020, he really kind of fell off a cliff. Well, I thought he was done. Like, I, I thought legitimately yeah, this he, guy is never going to be able to go ever again. And he needs to go away because he was horrendous there for a while. Yeah, I thought, yeah, like I didn't, I thought he just became like a super average wrestler over the last 18 months or whatever. He's going to have to prove to me 
I because I mean the style that he has worked his whole career and he is forty five years old. Yeah, I was now. gonna say forty five, forty six is what I, I guess. And, you know, so I don't know. It, it, you know, again, I don't think. I think you're being a little harder on him than I want to be, but at the same time, I just I do think his performance really dipped over the last eighteen to twenty four months. And he's gonna have to prove to me that he's that he's still that guy. So we'll see. He'll have a match against Ashino. And you know Ashino uh, you know, is and smack dab in his prime and could go. So we'll see what that match looks like. I don't know. Um Akira Francesco, the good Italian boy, did it. You're wa- are you waving your Italian flag back there? I am. Yeah. He, he, I can hear he, it. I can hear it waving in the in the air. So yeah. Yes. He wins the junior battle of glory. And then not only that, he beats Koji Iwamoto. What I think is funny is immediately when he won the match, our Discord our, our, and our All Japan channel, a million different people on Twitter, everybody immediately picked up on what went down here. Shima did not want to lose to this kid, so he dropped it to Koji Iwamoto <laughs> as sort of a transition. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously what happened. Here, absolutely, right? like, absolutely. Yeah, she never changed. Shima never changed because no, they probably told him, "Hey, you're going to lose to this guy." And he went, "No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nope. no, no." Yeah. Who? Who am I losing <laughs> yeah, to? Yeah, no. I don't know who that is. No, I'm not losing to him. So. No shot. And it's like <laughs> everyone knows the mo now because that was like. I saw that in like six different places and I'm like, that's absolutely what happened absolutely, because yeah. Iwamoto is like the perfect guy to come in. All right, we'll go back to Iwamoto for, for a month and then we'll have the kid beat Iwamoto, you know, since Shima won't do it because it's a much better story to have him beat Shima. Absolutely. Of course. You know? It's it's like, but Shima wouldn't do it. Um, look, I love this kid. I've been watching his progression since he came in the company. I even gave him a nickname. Um, I didn't feel like he was ready to win Junior Battle of Glory, and I really didn't feel like he was ready to win this title. Now, it's the All Japan Junior title. It's like pump the brakes. It's not that big a deal if you put a title like this on some. But I, I don't just get the sense that he he doesn't feel like the top guy in this division to me. That's all. Maybe I'm shitting in the guy's cornflakes. I don't know. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good match. I, I really liked it. And I'm kind of with you, though, as, as I thought this was probably the best match of the night. Um, to me, it really stood. I, I, I thought it just got the time to do that as well. Or I, yeah. You know, actually, I take the bet. The Kento Miyahara, Yume Oyagi, if we talk about that as a single match. I think that was that was the match of the night. But as far as like kind of just a match, aside from that main event, that really stood the out. The rest of the card. The yeah, yeah. The- I, I thought it was good. I, I thought it definitely stood out. But, but I'm kind of with you as well. But I also, my counter argument would be, I don't know that there is like, a whole lot of hell of and a lot of other guys that I think are, you know, that much better than him, which yeah. I guess speaks to the depth that they have right now is it's like, I'm with you that he doesn't feel like he's the best junior in this company, but I also have a tough time telling you who is a better junior in this company right now. He's so likable though. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's cool. He's a likable guy. And again, it's not that big a deal. I'm just, you know. Yeah, and he does a lot of outreach as well in like the English side. I think he even runs the All Japan English page or something like that. Does so he I, really? I, I didn't know that. I think that's true. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm, I, I think it's true. Or I think there's some something to that. So uh, with that being, I mean, if that, that's a good opportunity at least to have him be sort of this international figure that, that I don't know. I mean, he tries his ass off. He really cares. It, it, it's clear that this is where he wants to be, and it's clear that he takes pride in it. So, so I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. But, but I'm with you. He doesn't feel like he's ready, but I also, it's, it's, it's you know, 2021 All Japan. I, whatever. You know, who cares? He's, uh, he's a good find. Give Tajiri, I think Tajiri found him. So give Tajiri Oh, there credit. you go. Good for him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a good find. 
And that was the card because, you know, that was the semi-main event. So, you know, he wins the big tournament. They put him in the semi-main event position. So here's what we know is coming up. So on the 11th in Osaka, because it is July now, Rich. It is July now. Uh, Here's the top stuff. So Miyahara and Aoyagi defend the tag titles against uh, Kuma Arashi and Koji Doi. Again, good booking. Arashi and Doi pick up a win on this show. And uh, they're going to get that title. And I believe that's the tag title match that was supposed to happen before Suwama got got COVID. And they put Miyahara in the three-way. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put those two guys in. So they're going to do that match on the 11th. Um, Ishikawa and Ashino, number one contender. And um, as of last check, they've also booked Andy Wu and Quiet Storm. Oh, there we go. Let's go. No match is announced for those guys, at least as of a couple days ago when I, when I found all this, um, then 11 days later on the 22nd and Cork and Jake Lee defends against the winner of Ishikawa, Ishino, Sugi versus Sakura for the junior title and Yoshitatsu, Tachibana and Carbell will challenge total eclipse for the six man titles. <sighs> and Lindemann and T-Hawk go after the all Asia titles held by Zeus and Izanagi, which makes the strong hearts win over purple haze. Listen, give all Japan credit. These yeah. are, this was a well-booked show. Everything made sense here and built into the next few, the next month of matches. Right. Except so for the, except for the Ishino thing. But other than that, you know, yeah, that's really the only place they dropped the ball. Other than that, the way they put the show and the way it's all leading into what's coming up in Osaka and Corican, um, all makes a ton of sense. So looking forward to those. I, there's a there's a couple matches in there um, that I'm definitely looking forward to. Now I want to pull up the uh, the um, Royal Road gimmick and run through those real quick. Let's see if I can find this shit. Um, you want me to try to find it if I can? I got it. Okay. All right, so Royal Road 32-man tournament. There's some interesting matchups here. Uh, Jake Lee Sugi right out of the gate. Jake Lee Sugi. Mm. Remember, now keep in mind, this is August. Are you nuts? (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) This is is August. (laughs) What does this tell me? Would they do champion versus champion? I don't think they I don't think so. I think I think Sugi's probably losing that match. So that yeah. Uh Iwamoto versus Doi. These are all in order, by the way, if you're looking at second round matchups in your head. So Jake Lee, I mean, I think Doyle uh, he'd have to uh, would they put him against Doi? I don't know. Uh Hokuto Omori versus Ryuki Honda. We just talked about Ryuki Honda. Black Menso Ray versus Ayato Yoshida. Okay. How about that? I like it. He's going to make a run here because he's not losing the Black Mensal Ray. And I think he could beat the guy. We could get, there's a realistic chance of Jake Lee versus Ayato Yoshida. How about that? Yeah, I'm in. You know, two, two rounds down the line. Takeo Omori versus Atsuki Aoyagi. Devil Murasaki versus Tajiri. That can go kick rocks. That's uh, fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, Zeus versus uh, Tachibana. And Yuma Aoyagi versus Totero Ashino. So Ashino's going to lose in the first round of this tournament. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's um, definitely. <laughs> rounds that out. They need main events. So, um, you know, you're going to get some decent matchups. I assume that will main event a Corican or something. It looks like it could. Um, 
But yeah, there's a chance Ashino could lose that too. He could lose to Ishikawa and lose to Aoyagi. <laughs> And his quest to, to get a triple crown shot. He fucked someone's wife or something? Like, I don't seriously? know, man. Yeah, probably. I mean, look at him. He looks like a guy that would do that, right? So here's the other side. Dan Tamora against Abdullah Kobayashi. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. Uh, Suwama versus Ray Saito. So Oof. one of the Saitos Oof. against Suwama. <laughs> that sounds bad. Suwama coming off COVID. COVID, yeah. That sounds terrible. That's, That's probably going to go like one minute, right? And then Suwama's facing Abdullah Kobayashi in the next round. Ugh. So you could take that corner of the fucking yeah, bracket. sounds really bad. I'm not going to watch any of that. So. Shigahiro Iri versus Kuma Arashi. Those two big boys are going to slap bellies. Uh, Yoshitatsu versus Hikaru Sato. Ugh. Oh, God. Kento Miyahara versus Yasuke Kodama. I like that match. Okay, I'm in. Okay. I like that a lot, actually. Uh, Rising Hayato versus T-Hawk. Oh, I like that. That sounds good. I like that. Suji Ishikawa versus the other Saito. Hmm. So you've got violent giants against the Saito. Yeah, those boys are going to get their asses kicked. (laughs) Or the former violent giants. No longer a team. And then the final match is Izanagi versus Francesco Akira. So this is why I say Akira's retaining because he's going to beat Izanagi and then lose to Suji Ishikawa. And that could be a lot of fun. Akira versus Ishikawa. Yeah. And I don't think Sugi will win the title and then, you know, do title versus title. I guess they could. That's a decent hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the tournament. It's in August. We got plenty of time. It looks like every single first-round match is on August 15th. That can't be right, can it? That seems like a lot of matches in one night. but uh, That's 16 matches. Yeah, it seems a little long. Yeah, I don't know. I that Yeah, that's, that can't be accurate. They have That's to what it that, says. Who, ah, dude, who knows what Japan And it says every, every second round match is on the 18th. Dude, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Looks like a round a day. Okay, well. 16, probably some very short matches then. So, so Ishikawa is going to beat Saito in, in five seconds then, as opposed to what I said, a minute. You know, they're in there with other big boys, at least, so we can... Yeah, see, see how they see how they look there. And they're in it, you know, and and they wisely put them in there with some seasoned veterans too. You know what I mean? That like Suwama and Ishikawa. So, you know, very deliberate. Uh, I mean, just to have those guys in the Royal Road, though, it just this is what I'm saying. Like, they they clearly have designs on hoping these guys are something. You know, um. To rush them from the dojo. Gerard was in the chat room saying they joined the dojo in December. So they're already in front of fans and they're already putting them in tournaments. So uh, they're really banking on these two guys. Uh, Gerard also said it's a doubleheader at Shinjuku face. So they're, uh, it is all in one day, but it's, it's two separate shows, it looks like. Oh, the old Shinjuku face. Huh? Yeah, which is. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. That's all Japan. That's a lot of all Japan. That's a lot of all Japan. Yeah, we got a lot of all Japan here. That's yeah, we did deep on the all Japan. Yeah, there you go. People think we, you know, we watch them. We watch everything. Watch more stuff yeah. than we probably should. But uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to Noah here. Uh, we have two big uh, shows in Noah on the 26th. They had the Noah Cage War. 
uh, from Noah Studios. So these were no fan shows inside of a stadium that was only occupied uh, by a drone that was very, very loud the entire night. So uh, you had the drone uh, that was there, but nothing else was. The Cage War, uh, the main event was Masa Kitamiya versus uh, Kazuhiko Nakajima there. It was a hair versus hair steel cage match between those two. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. And then on the next day, you had the 27th, Muto the World, uh, and that was highlighted by Great Muto versus uh, Kano in, in your main event. But uh, So I only saw the main events uh, for both of these. Uh, so I don't know if real quickly you want to go over the undercards, and then we'll talk about the main event for both or, or however you want to do it. But uh, you want to start with the 26th. What did you see from the Noah Cage War show? I saw the top three. Okay, so you saw M's Alliance um, and, and, the, and the Battle Royal then. Yeah, wait a minute. Did I see the top three? I saw the top... Yeah, I did. I saw the top three. Um, everything I saw on both nights was good. I enjoyed, to some extent, I enjoyed every match for what they were trying to do. Let me put it that way. Um, this was a good, hard-hitting tag. Keito Kiyomiya, of course, on the losing side, as usual. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a ton else to add. It's just, uh, you know, the, the veterans won this one over the younger guys. And it was a good, solid, hard-hitting three-and-a-half-star match. Uh, next, they did the junior heavyweight um, Royal Rumble match. It was Royal Rumble style. Hayata won that. Obviously, he got the title match the next night, which we'll talk about against Katoge, and he ended up winning the title. So they went back to that geek. Um, you know, th- when it comes to Noah Juniors, it's kind of like a meme division. I think. I think the thing with the Noah Juniors is I think they know that the division doesn't really have any like stars or anything like that, and it really doesn't matter. So they just book it to be as in, to be interesting, even though it's absurd. Everybody turning on each other. Yeah, yeah. I think the absurdity is it's an inside joke now. They, they're it they're is. self-aware of the absurdity of it. Completely agree. And I think that even the Noah fans who at first were like, what the fuck is with this division? I think the mindset now is, ah, this is just wacky fun. Who knows who's going to attack who this time? And honestly, I think it's harmless. It really reminds me of back in the day when New Japan was really rolling. And people would complain about like, oh, well, Gato doesn't care about the junior tag team division. And it does not fucking matter. Like, who cares? Like, you're, you're, you're not seeing the big picture if you want the booker ousted because he's not booking the junior tag team division to your liking. Like, that's an aesthetic complaint, but it does not matter. I think this is similar. I do not think the booking of the Noah junior division matters at all. I just think it's a collection of guys. and. They know that, and they don't feel like they have a, a young ace on their hands that they need to take care of or anything, and it just is what it is. But um, this Royal Rumble-style match was fine for what it was. I wasn't expecting anything great, and it wasn't, but it held my attention all the way through, and it was really fucking long. So um, that's something to be said for that. And then the cage match, which is where you can jump in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I thought this was really good. Um I thought it was cool. Uh, it, it, it felt like a fight. It felt like a, you know, with the second that door closed and those guys got in the ring there, they just beat the ever-living shit out of each other. And this is what cage matches used to be, is two guys get in there and they somebody doesn't leave until they're bloodied and battered and destroyed and dead. And that's basically what happened here with Nakajima. Not only did was he bloodied and battered and dead, but then he got his goddamn hair shaved uh, as well. So I thought this was really cool. I thought Kitamiya looked great in it. I think he looked like a star 
uh, in this match, and they're really kind of building him up uh, quite well. I, I, I'm excited to see what happens with him. And uh, the Nakajima thing, I mean, he, he, now he's now bald, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a sec. But, uh, yeah, I thought these guys worked their ass off, and, and this is a pretty good steel cage match. For being, this is the first. This is the first ever, right, steel cage match in, uh, in, in Noah history? Um, I, I can't imagine they've had another. I mean, I, I off the top of my head can't remember it ever happening before, but. I don't, I can't remember one either. So, I mean, maybe that's wrong, but it's not like. And not like cage matches are a regular thing in, uh, in Japan, so. Yeah, they're not rolling out cage matches. In a, and there might have been one years ago that I just don't remember. But uh, the point here is it felt special is the point that you're trying to make because they, they, they don't do this. And what you have here is this weird dynamic of the guys that are tag team partners and tag team champions, but they're in, you know, they're feuding with each other and they split and they're in separate units, but they're still the tag team champions, you know? So it's this weird story that they're doing. And yeah, as far as cage matches go, I mean, this was violent. This was stiff. Uh, They were both busted open. They were doing shoot headbutts to each other. Of course, the big spot that everybody is talking about is Kitamiya coming off the top of the cage with a senton and he missed. And Nakajima went on a long offensive run following that spot, which was smart and good. But then Kitamiya makes the comeback and he hits the two uh, Saito suplexes, two, to win the match and take Nakajima's hair. And this was just fucking great. I mean, it was it was nasty. It was violent. Uh, they worked to the story and to the feud, which I always appreciate and I think is important. And um, I loved every second of this, and I'd go about four and a half stars on it. You know, I thought it was really that good, just a, a shade below match at your level. I mean, it's what you want out of this kind of match. And even the post-match stuff with Nakajima sitting in that chair and taking that head shaving like a man, you know, get the Mia doing the... It's something, I, it's something I love about Japanese wrestling, too. Is, and we've seen it a few times this year, uh, you know, especially when guys get their hair shaved, and obviously in Dragon Gate or whatever. It's always the best. The guy just sits in the ring, sits in the chair, and goes, all right, just fucking do it. You know what I mean? I lost. Yeah, Nakajima, you know, no just... No American bullshit where somebody runs in and hits a guy, and then he runs away, and you don't pay it off. It's like, no, nope, I lost. All right, shave the hair. Yeah, I did. I lost, you know. And then, and then Kano, who obviously has the long-term story with Nakajima getting in the mix, he watched it from ringside. And uh, he really, he finished the hair off. And I'm like, man, you're wearing that dapper suit. I w- I'd stay away yeah, from all great. that blood yeah, what a, hair. What a suit, man. Yeah. Heck but, uh, suit, you know, sure. that red suit he was wearing. Yeah, that was but- good ass suit. I'm not, I'm not usually like a, wow, that's a great suit guy. But, man, that was a great suit. Uh, Cano looks great. You know, he's in there getting involved with the blood and the, and, and the hair. But, uh, but, no, this was great. Like I said, I'd go four and a half, a tinge below match at your level. Um, everything you want out of a cage match, everything you want out of a, a, a rivalry like this. And uh, it's a big win for Masa Kitamiya, who doesn't often get big singles wins. So, uh, no, I thought the match was great. And um, it had all the violence of the of the Bobby Lashley, McIntyre, Helena in a Cell, but less... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? More authentic in its violence, I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It felt, it felt like, like a, fight. a fight. It felt like a fight. It felt like you know, the, it felt like these guys are in here. And nobody's going to come in. No one's going to escape, and they're just going to you. They're going to fight in this cage, this barbaric structure, and they're going to fight and kill one another until one man emerges, and, and that's that's what happened. So, yeah, we just saw four Helena cells, and this blew all of them away. Oh, I yeah, mean, not even close. It's, yeah, it's it's not even worthy of the comparison. So. Uh, no, yeah, I, I I really thought it was great. So um, that takes us to the 27th. 
I saw the top four. Um, that's not true. I didn't see that semi-main event tag. I saw four other matches. I watched that um, Aita, Rongai, Yohei, Yohei six-man, where they beat Stinger. Um, Hayata, Yoshioka, and Ogawa. That was exactly what it looks like on paper. It was fine. Um, I like Aita in Noah, though. I think he's a good fit with some of the scummers they have him teaming with. Yeah, he's he's pretty yeah. scummy, and there's some definitely scummy guys that he could team with there. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. The Peros Del Mal, Japan, yeah. the older doing, he's he's a good fit for that. And then the uh, the Congo 10-man, where they beat Daisuke Harada, Hajime Ohara, who still isn't ever being pushed. <laughs> Junta Miyawaki, Keito Kiyomiya losing again, and Masa Kitamiya. So Nakajima kind of, sort of, at least he's on the winning end over Kitamiya this time, but obviously you want to win the cage match as opposed to this match. Um, it was a really good, high-energy 10-man tag. And I will say this too. The, the thing about this match was I love the way Congo operates. It's like Nakajima is clearly the guy, and he's got like these four stooges who just fly around the ring like, like fucking Kai and Tai used to during the Attitude Era and just do his bidding it's just a very fun dynamic when they're all in a match together. And uh, this match was way better than than you probably would think it was. Um, Hayata won the junior title over Kotoge. I can't stand Yohei or Hayata, so I come in with bias. Um, I'm just tired of all these Rattels guys. I just... Yeah, especially Hayata's fucking... Oh, God, not... It looks like a dork to it. I mean, the match was fine, but I just, I can't with yeah, them anymore. I mean, I was sick of them three years ago or whatever. And I'm yeah, we've been consistent. We've been consistently sick of them for um, the last half a decade, so. They're just fucking, they, they're just so indie and. Yeah, just, trash bag pants and they're terrible eye makeup and stuff. And they're not, yeah. and they're just not good. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't see that semi-main with M's Alliance for Sagara Gun, but I, but obviously I did see the main event, as did you. What did you think of? Not Keiji Muto, but Great Muta yeah. against Kano. The Great Muta versus Kano. Um, I, <laughs> I thought it was kind of bad. I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I'm, not, I'm done arguing about Muto because uh, it's just one side is going to say, no, it's great. I'm going to say it sucks, and it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over again. It's I don't know. I, I, have, I have no need for these matches anymore. Um, the great muda or moot keiji muto sweats on a guy while he lightly applies holds being called mat work i guess is a thing even though this was really just kind of them brawling on the outside when when he wasn't just sitting in the ring with with you know holds and then you know it's all built up to kano lighting his leg on fire kicking great muda muda getting up 10 seconds later and then winning the match so um it was a squash i mean it's yeah, basically he's fucking he, he destroyed him so i don't know he spit the mist he spit the mist in his face yeah. and that's a great mood to match. You want to see the mist, I guess. Yeah, you want to see the mist and some shining wizards and some no selling. Then yeah, you got everything you wanted there. I don't know. Uh, I think he's. I'm just. I'm over it. I'm, I'm done with it. I have, there's no okay. appeal to me. I'm. 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 Yeah. I'm. So I'm, an, talk- I'm not an objective viewer of of, of Muta anymore. So. So we talked about Kato Kiyomiya being on the losing side again in both of his matches, and now Kano basically getting squashed by Great Muta. Um, which it's like, all right. So the theory here. Look, I get what they're trying to do. You know, you have the legends come in, particularly uh, Muto in particular, and beat these guys down. And what they're doing with Keito Kiyomiya isn't a mystery. He's taking his lumps. He's getting his ass kicked. And the idea is this is toughening him up. 
and eventually he'll go on a big run and he'll learn from all of these beatings and he'll learn from all of the losses. And then in theory, at that point, you know, they push him again and he starts beating these guys and, you know, he's stronger than he was when it started. I get all that. Right. The problem is that's very risky. And we've seen historically how that could backfire badly, particularly since he's already been the the, uh, the GHC champion. He's already been to the top. If this was a guy fresh out of his young boy stage or someone who hasn't been pushed yet, you know, it would make more sense to tell this kind of story. Right. And I understand it's a different booking regime and a different, you know, three owners ago or whatever since he's had the title. So you're going to do your own thing. But this is risky. And not only is it risky, I'm not entirely convinced that's what they're doing anyway. Like, I think that's what they're doing only because that's logical. Right, right, right. The problem is, I, I think a lot of the, 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 what you're saying is actually how it should work. The problem is, some yeah. of the players involved, I'm not so sure that some of the players involved are going to be so down with the era, you know, the time of, okay, guys, it's time for you guys to lose a bunch of times to all these guys. And they're going to go, oh, all right, yeah, cool. We've gotten our wins. We're good. I don't know. I don't know if uh, you know, Fujita and Muda are going to say, all right, we've had our wins. Time to take our lumps, guys. All right, cool. Let's go out there and, and lose and put some guys over. Um, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not too convinced that that's all of a sudden going to happen, that Nosawa is going to sit down with those guys and go, okay, it's time for you guys to lose for the next three months as all the young guys get their wins back. I don't know. Assuming it plays out the way we think it should play out, there's still risk there that it will work because there is a trail of dead promotions and throughout wrestling history who have done this sort of thing and beat the young guys with the old guys. And then the fans never have faith in the young guys again. I mean, that's just history. Right. And and that's, that's the argument I bring up all the time is, okay, you can, you can say, Oh, this is good. and, And that's fine. Okay. It is good. But you have to please cite an example of a promotion where this has worked. We're, we're, we're tapping in nostalgia like this, this heavily, where, where guys, and, and it's not like we're talking about guys from five, ten years ago. We're talking about the fucking Keiji Muto. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, that's, that's one thing that I'm always kind of, it's, to me, it's akin to when Keiji Muto was coming up in New Japan, you know, Seiki Sakaguchi comes out and whoops his ass and beats him a bunch of times. Like, it'd be utterly ridiculous. A 50-year-old Seiki Sekiguchi well, coming on. out. Yeah. After Muto already had a title run. Right, exactly. It's like in 1995, Seiki Sekiguchi coming out and going, hey, Keiji, I want to face you. And him going, all right. And then be- getting his ass kicked by Seiki Sekiguchi. That would be bad, right? And that's not what they did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he took his lumps, you know, sometimes to, to, to Fujinami. They did a lot of that where Fujinami would beat these guys until they were ready. But Fujinami was still a regular guy in that company. He was just a little bit older. And then he was ready to kind of pass the torch. Because that's how it usually works. This time you're getting guys from 20 years ago, from decades ago, that are coming in and beating them. And okay, if you want to say that that's good and it's getting guys over and it's helping the company, okay, that's fine. But please cite, please, please try to cite at least one example of this ever working in history. What what about the argument that Kiyomiya had a title run that didn't exactly light the world on fire or catch on like Miyahara or Okada did? Uh, forget Okada, didn't catch on like Miyahara did, even at that level, um, because he clearly wasn't ready. We've talked it to, to, to death. He wasn't ready. He didn't have any, he had confidence issues, which are understandable. He was 21 years old. He didn't have the confidence. He didn't have uh, the, the aura of an ace. The matches were fine, but he clearly wasn't ready for the role. And it didn't work. Okay. So, what about the argument that the Nakajima run didn't work? That was a, the biggest failure they've had in the last, you know, that 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 title reign was an utter disaster. Yeah. 
before the before the before he went through the uh uh attitude change and all of that. He had a terrible babyface title run from a business perspective. Um so what about the idea that Kiyomiya and Nakajima and Kano and all these guys weren't drawing and couldn't draw? So why keep going down that well? Why not try this? And then see if they, we can get these guys over and throw Kitamiya in the mix if you want and Inamura who's on the come up and see if we can't use these guys to, to finally get these guys over to the point where they can draw money on their own. Is there something in that argument? No, there, there definitely is. Guys? Yeah, no, there definitely is. I just don't know if these are the right guys to do it or if these guys are going to do it. That, that's my biggest concern. Is, well, is, if not these guys, then who? Because it's obvious. Well, that, I mean, like, like I don't know if these guys are going to want to lose is what I'm saying. Right, right, right. You're saying you, you're skeptical. I don't trust these dudes to, to say, all right, yeah. let's go. Let's start, time to start losing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't. That's my skepticism. I, on its face, if you were just telling me, Joe, here, you know, you're rich. Here, here are. X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. And, and you're telling me exactly, without naming the names, when you're not saying Keiji Moto and you're not saying Fujita, you're just saying, here, here's the scenario. And I want, you know, X is going to, you know, as a legend, and he's going to come in here and he's going to beat Y, but then eventually, after a few months, Y is going to beat X. I, yeah, it all sounds good. On its face, it sounds good. I don't trust Keiji Muto is going to be down for, for the losing part of that. I don't trust that Fujita is going to be down for the losing part of that. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's my concern, is these guys, specifically. Yeah. No, I hear you. Is Sakuraba going to be down? Uh, I mean, I, I know he, he he's less so than those guys, but like, I mean, the, like you said, there's a wake of dead bodies in, in, in the, you know, left of these. Just the, the two Muto matches that he lost. I mean, he got his ass kicked in by Sugera and mm-hmm. Marafuji, and he never wins. He literally never wins. I mean, it's just a constant stream of beatings. And the idea is, he's, is that they're toughening him up. I get the idea, but I am skeptical of it playing out properly like you are. And I'm just straight up skeptical that it works because you run the risk of telling people, oh, he's just a geek. You know, why should I believe in this guy? You know, and maybe even hurting his confidence. Right. That's possible too. Mm -hmm. Because that confidence has been the issue with him. If he was a confident, big dick swinging ace the first time around, they're not in this position. But that's not who he is, and it was too soon, and it's not who he is. Yeah, I, I also just have, like, a general, like, apprehension to, to nostalgia stuff, especially as, as an American wrestling fan. I get it. If you're if you're just watch Japanese wrestling and stuff, you might be like, ah, whatever, who cares? But, I mean, for somebody that's watched so much American wrestling and the obsession with stars from the bygone era that just come in and just decimate everybody, and the idea is that eventually, eventually, via osmosis or something, the young guys are going to get over when in actuality, it's just what all that all that ever happens and all that's ever happened with this is these guys come in and they're so much bigger stars and they show clips of when they were giant stars. And all you think is, wow, those guys are stars. These young guys, they kind of stink. They kind of suck. And that's what American wrestling has basically done over the last 15 years is say, ah, oh, man, it used to be, things used to be so good. And here's the guys that were there when it was so good. Here's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here's The Undertaker. Here's Shawn Michaels. Here's, you know, all these sort of guys. And that ends up, and to me, being a bigger detriment. And, and again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, especially, you know, especially with, 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 with this. But it does run that risk that, you know, all you tell people is, hey, these guys are all dorks and the stars are still the stars. So. You know, and the stars that you remember from 20 years ago, they're still here. They're still the stars and they're still better than all these young guys. And, and that's that's always an issue with me. And especially so watching so much American wrestling where that happens all the time. It's risky. It, it's it's risky. So uh, we'll see. But um, 
You can only beat these guys so much. It's all I'm saying. You know, I don't know. Maybe they do come out the other end and it works, but you, you can only beat these guys so much. And we don't have fans to know whether any of this shit's working. Yeah, it's also that part, too. I don't we're, buy any of these arguments that... Citing these attendances. God, I'm oh, so done with COVID God. attendances. Can we please stop? Can we please stop? I saw it with Galit. Oh, they got a thousand. Who knows? Who cares? Whatever. It's like... Well, I mean, that's a good transition, but it's like, I don't buy any of these arguments that, well, you know, Muto's raising the profile and he's drawing new fans. You don't know that. Yeah, you're just saying There's that. No you're clue. just saying that. <laughs> I don't care if they sold out their 3,000 ticket allotment with the limited attendance. You don't know whether they would have sold 3,001 tickets under normal times or 10,000. You don't know. I don't care how many magazine covers he's on. How many promotions has Muta bounced around from? What did he do for Wrestle 1? Yeah, I was going to say all the uh, all the stars that Wrestle- he created in Wrestle 1 and all yeah, the great I promotion mean, he created in Wrestle 1. I mean, I mean, you know, so I, I, I'm I not buying that. I'm not saying it isn't the case. Crossing Masters, that, that would obviously was a, a master class in, in, in building a company. So I mean, I can't prove it the other way around either. No. But it's like, we don't, we don't fucking know. But the track, the recent track record of Muto rep, uh, suggests that the idea that he is some kind of business savior is vastly overrated. I mean, what, you know, what gate has he drawn in recent history? There isn't one. So, uh, you know, I, it's like people say we're being unfair. I think people are being unfair in the other direction because they're wrapped up in the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see when we come out on the other end. I mean... I'm not saying that the, the, the Kiyomiya idea can't work. I'm just, I think it's yeah, real risk. What I'll say is I have history on my side, I think, versus... You do, versus, you do. Yeah, I so. mean, you definitely do. I mean, there's a trail of dead promotions that, you know, that you have on your side. But, um... I'll, I'll be, I'll, hey, I'll be glad to be proven wrong. I'll be glad on the other end of this, because I think Noah's got an awesome roster. I love their roster. And I with love the backing the, they have now, they can, yeah. they can be a real player. Absolutely. So, I mean, I would love for Muto to then say, all right, it's time for me to take my lumps. Kano beats him. Kiyomiya beats him. They all beat Fujita. And then they come out of the other side and you got, you know, Kaito Kiyomiya, who's a big star. You got, uh, you know, Masa Kitamiya, who's a big star. Nakajima's ready to go. Like, yeah, they, they have the talent. They have those guys. It's just, I don't know. I would love it for you to be know, wrong. I'd love to be There's wrong. also the possibility that Muto loses to Kiyomiya and just nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that possibility too. You know, maybe he does do the job and just no one fucking gives a shit. And as I've said all along, my issue is not him beating him. It's beating him twice. You can't justify it. You cannot justify it. And we're on tape. The first loss, fine. You beat him twice. That can't be just right. And now the goalposts are moving again, where people are like, yeah. well, well, it's obviously that he's going to. It's like, no, 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 hold on. No, no, you said last time. <laughs> right, exactly. You said, oh, no, yeah. it's obvious that now Kimmy is going to beat him and then beat, beat him again. Oh, well, it's clearly a long term project. Like, okay, right. and we're just kicking yeah. the can down the road. Like, that's all. Yeah, exactly. So, as far as Gleet, uh, they draw a thousand fans, which we're told is the capacity, and we're told they sold a thousand tickets. Um, I tend to believe it. Shima was talking about a couple weeks ago how they were close to selling out or whatever. It's whatever. But again, why am I supposed to be impressed with this? That's like a poor Corican number in real times. So again, how do I know if it was full capacity, whether they would have sold 10 more tickets or 4,000 more tickets? No one knows. So I'm not impressed with this thousand tickets sold. It's, it's like, I'm not impressed or unimpressed. I'm just fucking neutral. Yeah, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm so over talking attendance in the COVID era. I'm done with it. When it's a number this small, 
How can I be fucking, you know what I mean? Like, who cares? A thousand tickets? You know, and people do, oh, it's good. No, well, how is it good? What if, you know, if, if, if COVID wasn't a thing, what if those are the only thousand people that were interested in going in it? That, then you would right, be, be a disaster. It. It'd be an absolute disaster yeah. if they rented this building and only got a thousand people. So I don't know. How, we, how do you judge this stuff anymore? You, you really can't. It's, 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 it's become pretty laughable, and I'm pretty glad. I, I'll be very, very glad when these restrictions are gone and we can, we can go back to, to actually doing business discussions and not just cherry-picking numbers that we want in, in certain. Because you can use it for any, you know what I mean? Like People use the, those numbers. The same number that's great is also bad. You, you know, like, because people will say, oh, you know, like you'll say, oh, a thousand, oh, the hell, you know, what would that have been? Or then people say, oh, they, that thousand, they sold everything they could do. And it, it's just, it's, it's, it's just whatever you want the number to tell you is what it's telling people right now. So it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you strong armed me. You made me watch the fucking. <laughs> it was free. It's free on YouTube. By the way, anybody looking for it, it is free on YouTube. Just type in Galit uh, on YouTube, and you can watch this absolutely for free on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was fine. Um, the show didn't knock my socks off. I didn't think anything. Well, I shouldn't say I didn't think anything was terrible. I thought some of the UWF rules matches were pretty bad. Um. None of the straight wrestling matches were bad. I thought Strong Hearts were the highlight of this show, too, in every match they were involved in. I mean, if you take Strong Hearts off of this thing, oh, it's... try to picture this show without Strong <laughs> No, I don't want to. You know, so... Don't that make would've... me. No, because, no, that, that was going to be my entire... On my notes, it says, Gleet, thank you, Strong Hearts. Because, yeah, the, every match that those guys were involved in, which was pretty much, what, three, three of the four... or uh, Shit, every one of the male matches that was just a straight wrestling match they were involved in, uh, and they made it pretty good because of them. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, split show, you had the four matches that were straight wrestling matches. The four matches were the UWF rules. I think this promotion is very gimmicky. I don't – again, I'm not going to repeat my rants from last week. I don't I don't like the long-term prospects of this at all. Um, you got to pick a lane and decide what you are. Uh, UWF stuff hasn't worked in, in fucking decades. It's, it's a dead style that has a trail of dead promotions in its wake. Um, you know, and look, the presentation was good. There's obviously money behind it. Yeah. It looks great. I mean, Um, the, 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 the video quality is tremendous. The arena that they rented, which is like a very high priced, it's right. It's Tokyo city hall or whatever. And it's, it's, it's in that area. It's near Corican. It's near Tokyo dome and stuff, but nobody runs it. Cause it's like expensive as fuck, but somehow these guys, ran it. I don't know. I don't know how they plan on making money or, or if they plan on making money, but that, that is going to be an issue here, but they're uh, losing their ass. Listen, I mean, they're definitely losing their ass. This is why I say, I will take them seriously. If they last two years that, you know, I don't care if people think I'm being hard, harsh. That's that's when I will take them seriously. Um, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't even last that long. Um, but look, there was some uh, stuff that I liked here. I, look, I thought the show was okay. I thought there was a lot of stuff in like the three and a quarter range. There's some interesting matches. Um, L. Lindemann versus Hayato Tamora opened it up. I thought Lindemann was great. L. Lindemann might be the best wrestler in the world that a lot of people don't realize is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's right, the best wrestler so in the world sound. that 90% of wrestling fans have never seen wrestle is probably a good way. Or 95% I mean, on, of wrestling I mean, fans have probably I mean, he was on Dynamite, um, but I don't think people, like, Dynamite fans may not even remember I was going to say, if you went to a, say you go um, to one of these recent arena shows and you asked every single person that walked through yeah. the door what they remember about L. Lindemann, maybe five of them would remember L. Lindemann. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they don't know who he is. He's yeah. such a blip on the, on the radar there, yeah. And he lost every match he was in. And, and 
Shima's two-man tag team partner was T-Hawk in AEW. It wasn't Lindemann. So he only worked the trios matches and rumbles and things like that. But um, he's great. And Hayato Tomura is the guy from um, the um, Just Tap Out. Uh, he's the uh, Takamishinoku guy who was the zero one champion. Yeah, zero one champion. Yeah. He lost the time. He fucking bulked up. My man's on the juice. I was gonna say, my beef boy. <laughs> Did you see this guy? He was bursting, and he had that cool, like you know, like mid two thousands bulk. Like you know how like every guy, like Roderick Strong, basically. Like remember ROH Roderick Strong? It was just yes. a big slab of meat. <laughs> he just came out. He was yeah. bursting at the seams. Uh, Randy Orton pointed puffy cheeked Randy Orton. Like just, just yeah, the classic like old school steroid stuff here. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, he was more built like Okada the last time we saw. Yeah, him. yeah. I don't know what we happened. We even made him, the but... comparison with the color of the gear and everything. But and he really showed a ton more charisma in this match than he did in Zero One. So I really have my eye on this guy. I think he's a real prospect. He obviously has to get out of these scummer promotions. I mean, you're not going anywhere working for fucking just tap out and Gleet, okay? But if you're Gleet, you want to get your claws into a guy like this. Absolutely, absolutely. Gleet doesn't know that they're not going to exist in two years. Gleet thinks they're, they have a chance at this thing. So you have to acquire guys like this who, you know, have slipped through the cracks to where they end up in something like just tap out and they're slumming around zero one. Because, uh, you know, obviously this guy has a ton of upside, and I am way higher on him. I liked him in Zero One well enough, but man, he showed me a ton of uh, of of high potential here, and he's only 25 years old. Yeah, I was, so, okay, I'm glad, because you said you had some takes about him, and I was like, oh man, Joe's going to bury him, I'm going to have to defend his honor. Oh, no, 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 I was very impressed, Yeah, very impressed. I thought he was tremendous here, I, I really, really liked him here, and uh, yeah, I, I thought El Lindemann was bumping like crazy for him too, like, I, it's clear that that was the idea, they wanted him to bulk up and kind of be like a power guy, because that's, that's how this match was worked, like, Tamora was just throwing him around, and El Lindemann was taking big bumps, but, and, and, and yeah, like you said, charisma was, was off the charts, and yeah, I think he's, he's definitely a guy that, that you kind of, if you're, if you're, if you're Gleet, you circle and say, okay, we may have lucked into this guy, let's see what we have with this guy, let's see what we can do with him, and, and, and I think there's a ton of potential, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a guy who, if Gleet's gonna make a run at this thing, they gotta get this guy, this is a guy I would try to, to sleaze and get full time, I know it's tricky in Japan, to get guys to jump and all that, but this is a guy you got to try to get full time. I mean, you know, he, he it's reminiscent of Ayato Yoshida a few years ago, who we just brought up in the Royal Road. It's like he had a chance to get into New Japan, and then certain political relationships fell apart, and he's back at square one. And it's a shame because he has so much potential. Same thing with this guy. All right. So, uh, did you watch? Uh, did you watch the uh, uh, Joshi? Oh, so, the second right, match I'll, of Joshi. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll keep taking us through it. So, Kyoko Inoue and uh, Mishiko Miyagi, little six minute match. It was fine. I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to say? It was a little six minute uh, Inoue match, and it was fine. A little two and three quarter, three star match. I don't know. Do yeah, any- I, I thought it was good. Uh, not nothing tremendous. It was only like six minutes, which I, I enjoyed. The openers of this match, nothing went really, really long on this show, which I enjoyed. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty smooth, uh, quick. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you saw the talent that both had, and you saw the, the the potential there, and it was good little, good little match. Yeah, nothing, nothing really uh, stood out to me ab- absolutely, but yeah, good, good little match. So strong hearts. In this case, it was Shima, Onitsuka, and Shigehiro Yuri. And they beat Kaz Hayashi, Kaichi Sato, and Soma Watanabe. And uh, again, I mean, strong hearts, they just bring a different energy to the table. 
And, um, you know, I really enjoyed this. This was uh, one of the best. I wouldn't call it the best match on the show, but it was. Uh, yeah, the, the next match, I think, um, was, was was my favorite. But, uh, yeah, this is good. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. I mean, yeah, I, those, I like- those guys come in there. And like you said, I, I, I especially like this trio because you got Shima the Vet. You got Onizuka, the, 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 the youngster who, who gets kind of the surprise win. And then you have Eerie, who's just kind of the power guy here. And I thought it was a nice little comp- uh, contrast. And they and they, they work perfectly. And it's just like it, it's it's exactly what you would imagine, you know, peak Shima would be is where he's bouncing around. There's another guy's bouncing around. There's other guy comes in and he's a power dude. It's just, it's perfect. It's the style of wrestling that I fell in love with in Dragon Gates and, and I'll always enjoy. I've seen 10,000 matches of this style and every single one I always enjoy. So it's like, and Kaz Hayashi got in the kid's face or set up a match. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Kaz, Kaz looks good. Kaz, Kaz, whatever weights that Tatsumura uh, uh, gained, Kaz Hayashi lost. Cause he looked good. He looked nice and trim here. So good for him. All right. So Ryuji uh, Kawakami, the former big Japan wrestler against T-Hawk. Take it away. This is great. This is tremendous stuff. If you have, if you're gonna watch this Gleet show, this is my absolute favorite match uh, of the entire uh, Gleet show. Uh, we'll talk about the, the the main event, which I think is probably my second favorite match. But this was good, like really good stuff from T Hawk. Uh, charisma, which has always been an issue uh, a little bit with T Hawk, he was out there, and I thought he he definitely had it. He looks ridiculous these days. We'll talk about that uh, here in a second. He he just he looks like 1999 Shima. Uh, with his silly little hair and, and 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 his gear and all that sort of stuff, but uh, but regardless of that, he went out there and he worked his ass off. And Kawakami, who, who I've always kind of enjoyed, uh, I thought he was good in this match as well. Uh, there's a spot that oh man, I, I watched the spot like ten times over and over and over again because I was so in love with it. Uh, where Kawakami's on the outside, uh, Tiok does a suicide dive, and he just like he overshoots it a little bit. And he essentially just throws his body as fast as possible in the suicide dive. And he lands, he hits Kawakami, but Kawakami is like so strong and so big that he goes flying into the guardrail as well. And then Tiak goes flying into the guardrail and then the fucking like the, the ring, you know, whatever they had a tarp or like some sort of sign on there. And the sign goes flying off. And the sound that it made was just incredible here where Tiak's just throwing his body here like a goddamn cannonball uh, out to Kawakami on the outside. So yeah, that, that was a really, really cool spot uh, that stood out to me. And then, yeah, they just for 17 minutes went there. Back and forth action, kind of whooped the shit out of each other, and 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 Kawakami got the win over Tiok. I was kind of surprised of it, but 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 I was fine with it. So um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. My favorite match on the entire show, I think. Kawakami showed more charisma here than he did in ten years in Big Japan. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I was like, oh fuck, Kawakami, this is gonna suck. And it was good. It was really good. Yeah, he did. I, I came away out of this show thinking, thank God strong hearts around the show and Hayato Tamura and Kawakami need to be built around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was stunned how charismatic he came across when in big Japan, he was, he just, I never felt that way. It almost seemed like too, he was almost glowing from working on a show with decent production for once. And yeah, with yeah, the money yeah. Behind it. And, you know, and that could be it. Maybe it's just it's hard to come across like in that atmosphere of big big Japan is just a certain kind of way, and you know, it's Basara. You know what I mean? Like he's never worked at a, in like a, an actual nice arena with nice lights and all that sort of shit. So yeah, maybe 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 he's always felt like this was was you know, um, yeah, and and, and I think too, I think the story with him and 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 somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Glee went out and got him. Like they wanted him, and actually, I think they paid big japan to get his rights if i if i remember reading that correctly i was i was looking at i was i was looking him up a little bit earlier like they were like hey we want you and we're gonna pay big japan to let that let you out of your contract so that's i mean 
that's got to make you feel pretty good too. Yeah, right. You know, to have that confidence. More than willing to take the bet. Yeah, they said, "Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yes." Uh, Wait, you're sir? offering real money? Yeah, for something? good luck you in your future you endeavors, sir. <laughs> we will cash yeah. this check right now. Yeah. Fix our bus, and we'll give you anyone you want. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who do you want for our roster? We need a um, new engine. So yeah, that's uh. He had new. He had got like a makeover. He, he had a glow up. Yeah, he had a glow up here. Yeah. I liked it. So now the UWF portion of the show. Um, yeah. So, what do you think of them splitting this, doing half, you know, half wrestling, half UWF stuff? I don't know. I mean, I can I can close my laptop and move on with my day for the UWF half. I was going to say I that can... might be that might be my new thing. Um, is just <laughs> moving forward. I might just skip these UWF. You didn't like them that much, huh? Uh, the main event was fine. I, what I might do is if people say there's a good one, I'll watch it. But I'm, I don't think I'm sticking around. It's just, it's not my style. I, th- I find it boring. I don't want to bury it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a style for somebody, I guess. There are people that like this stuff. But uh, for me, moving forward, it's going to be a, a slog if half these shows have these. And I don't really feel like coming on here and just burying half the show every single time. You know what some I mean? Of them, some of them were a tricky watch. Um, the tag with Minoru Tanaka. And Watanabe against Matsui and Izuchi. I, I don't know. I thought it was I pretty mean, bad. It was bad and boring. So it doesn't do anything for me. Or I don't know uh, if it was bad. That's the thing too. I say they're bad. People bad. are like, it's people just, are like, they're not bad. They're technically sound. I'm like, all right, I don't care. I was bored to fucking tears. So for me, <laughs> that's bad. I don't care that fucking Matsui had a good fucking side, you know, arm bar. I don't give a shit. Cool, great. You know what I mean? That's why I don't like watching these UWF things because you say if you say it's bad, everybody will go like, "Oh, you don't know what the you know the proper mechanisms for." And I'm like, I don't, "No, I don't," because I'm watching pro wrestling. <laughs> I want to be entertained. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was bad either. It just was there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of style. I, I mean, I don't know. Chihiro Hashimoto, Maya Fukuda. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like that Hashimoto just was, beat the fuck out of her. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a squash, right? Just fucking destroyed her, and and yeah, it was four minutes, but it didn't feel like it was four minutes. It honestly felt like it was like a minute. So, yeah, uh, Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki <laughs> versus Yu Azuka. Now this one I thought stunk. This I is bad. I really. This is the one where I was like, all right, these other things were kind of boring, but Funaki's coming in here. Let's go. And yeah, it was kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I this wasn't good at all. Um. The size difference was utterly ridiculous, and it's like I know it's pro wrestling. I understand, but um, I I don't know. I I don't want to. I don't know. And then uh, you just hear my tone going through this. It's like yeah. I don't. Yeah. Show versus uh, Takanori Ito. I thought this was the best match in the show. So I buried all the UWF stuff, but I thought a UWF match was the best match in the show. And look, it was the main event, so they worked it as such down the down the stretch, and it it was. Uh, high energy and, and and had some nastiness to it. Um, I didn't think it was a great match. I didn't even think it was, it was a good match. It was a good solid, um, you know, three and a half star match for your main event. Um, th- the problem is show had to win. You're going to bring a guy in from new Japan. You can't beat him. I don't know how much good that does you. Other than you can say you sold a whopping thousand tickets. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. The optics of this um, were so weird because Show goes out there and beats this guy, taps him out, and Show rolls yeah. out of the ring, and then Ito gets in the mic and goes, Thank you for coming to the show. It's yeah, like, but it's what? like, it, <laughs> like if you're going to use guys, you, you, unfortunately, you have to, you have to, yeah, they have, to, have win. to win. Yeah. New Japan's not going to let this guy come in and lose. 
So um, that's kind of the rub there. But, you know, if you need to do that to get going, you need to do it to get going. I mean, that was the whole formula of Big Mouth Loud. I mean, guys would come in and just beat Shibata. And it's like, we saw how that worked out. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, yeah, but I mean, the match was okay. And show is into this kind of style. Yeah, so he was good. He was good. And and like like I think what what I liked about it is it's it's clear that show where some of these guys are like clearly like they don't have like the pro wrestling charisma. They just kind of have the the style down, you know what I mean? Like especially in that tag match it felt like that where I'm sure these guys are technically sound in in, in shoot style or whatever. Show was just wrestling it like he was a wrestler kind of doing strikes you know what i mean like and, and doing submissions which which i will always prefer when it feels like it's a wrestling match that just so happens to have these rules and i thought that's how this match was it didn't feel it didn't feel slogged down like i'm watching an mma fight or or, or, or some you know uh exhibition here or some grappling exhibition it felt like a, a wrestling match uh, that felt also like a fight so so that that'll i'll always enjoy those more than i'll enjoy the other stuff so no i didn't, look i the, the tag one wasn't bad and the main event was good i i didn't you know, and the woman's one was what it was. I just, I didn't think the Funaki, I thought the Funaki one was the, the least interesting thing yeah, on the show. I, I mean, you know, but it, it's, uh, you know, Big Mouth Loud had to bring in guys to face Shibata and, and you know, like Kensuke Sasaki and Satoshi Kojima aren't going to lose to him. Like in 2000, and this is 2006 Shibata, 2005 <laughs> right. Shibata, you know, but then it's like, you're trying to build a promotion around the guy. Hey, it sounds familiar. And he's just losing to all of the established <laughs> stars. Yeah. And then the promotion doesn't fucking work out. <laughs> huh. Know? All right. Um, <laughs> well, that's... I didn't mean to make that point. Yeah. Hey, there's it, another, there's another one. Yeah. Well, I big sounds my awfully familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. It was, uh, you forced me to pay attention to this. I didn't hate it. It was fine. It kind of breezed by for the length. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was mean, quick. Yeah, you know, I skipped all the entrances and I skipped the twenty-minute intro and everything, and it, it was a quick, easy watch. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. And it's free. It's free on YouTube. So if, if anything that we said sounded interesting to you, it, it is free on YouTube. So just go to Glee's YouTube and, and you can watch it. So I like the production. You know, you got the. It's not intimidating if you don't know who some of the guys are because they have their names right on the screen with their face during the match. Yeah, yeah. And they did, they, 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 I will give them that. They did a great job. So what they did at the beginning of the show is they had everybody come out and they said, all right, this is El Lindemann and he's going to face uh, tomorrow. And then both those guys came out and they showed the match graphic. They bowed and they moved to the side and they said, all right, the next match is going to be this person and this person. So if you didn't know who anybody was, which, you know, the common wrestling fan, as we always hear, they don't know who anybody is. They have no idea what's going on. Like, even if that was you, you saw who everybody was and there was just really no excuse. So, and, and like you said, the, the, their, their names were on the screen the entire time. The pictures were on the screen. So you could very quickly, oh, okay. Okay, that's Kawakami. That's T Hawk. So if, if you're coming in completely blind, you're gonna know who these guys are because they're gonna tell you the entire time who these guys are, which I think is a nice a nice thing, especially for a, 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 an early show. And and really, I would keep it forever because you're gonna have new people jumping in, you know, presumably pretty often. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It didn't take up that much screen real estate, and at least at no point were you confused of who was who. You knew it every time who was who. So that was cool. Yeah. All right, so that is Gleet, that is All Japan, and that is Noah. That has been our, our large, one of our largest, largest uh, uh, Japan segments we've done in quite a while. He's talking non-New Japan, but uh, one last thing, hey, actually. Why isn't, it, why isn't it Gleet? Well, I think it might be. I don't know what it is anymore, Joe. Well, if it's Okay, so if the argument is great or Gleet, why Gleet? Why not Gleet? Yeah. Because if, if, if G-R-E-A-T is great, wouldn't G-L-E-E-T be Gleet? 
Joe, I have no idea. We asked uh, somebody that speaks Japanese, and they said they have no idea either. And then they asked somebody else, and that person said they don't know either. So I don't know anymore. (laughs) I don't know, and I don't care anymore. Which is a bad sign. I mean, it would be nice for them to say, hey, here's how you pronounce our company's name. But uh, uh, it is apparently still up for debate. (laughs) It's one of the classic things where we say, okay, we need clarification here. So we ask somebody that knows Japanese, and then they make it even more confusing than it ever was before. So, I don't know. Glitz, glitz, (laughs) great, I don't know. Call it bankrupt. Bankrupt in six months. <laughs> uh, New Japan Resurgence. We'll t- quickly talk about New Japan here and then move on to some other stuff here. Uh, New Japan is uh, running a, sh- uh, a show August 14th in Los Angeles. Uh, this had been reported a few weeks ago. I don't know if we had talked about it before on the show, but it is called New Japan Resurgence. Uh, first match announced is going to be Jay White defending his never open weight title against David Finley, which is a-, a pretty fun match with a lot of history behind it. What, what do you think of this uh, announcement here? I think they're going to sell it out. They sold a lot of tickets. They sold half the tickets. Then they announced this match, and they sold a bunch more. Yeah, I think so, they're down to, I want to say, maybe a quarter left. I feel like they sold like another 1,000 tickets or something like that. So, Yeah, not some hokey fucking half attendance in fucking Osaka. Okay, this is the real deal. Uh, they're going to say, and, and I think if they do that, um, they have the option to open up some more seats. So... I wasn't sure how this was going to do, but they're off to a good start. And they've only announced one match. So, and it's not the main event, obviously. Well, I don't assume. I yeah, assume I, I don't assume, but who knows? Yeah. I, I, um, I've, I've heard that there's some other big names that haven't been announced, announced yet, but that are probably going to be coming over. Yeah, well, you know, based on the ticket sales, I'm sure they're going to, you know. Yeah, you know, they, hey, you know, here's your ticket, but uh, don't, uh, we'll just wait. This is why if you don't it sells buy out, then tickets. hey, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, that's... This is why you don't buy blind tickets. Right. You make, show me. Yes. Show me what you're giving me. Right. Okay. The show could have more energy if uh, it doesn't sell very well, but if it sells out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that high energy <laughs> that might could uh... be a once in a hundred opportunity to see <laughs> right. it. <laughs> right. If, Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, but if so, it sells uh, out, then uh, you know, hey, he might be uh, maybe staying home uh, for the weekend. He so. might hang out at home. Yeah, he might <laughs> hang out. At home. No one needs a 14 hour flight. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's a lot of history, Jay White and uh, David Finley. So they'll do it for the Never title. That's a that's a cool match. I think what's Finley one and seven or something against White or something like that, or maybe no win, no one win or no. I win. thought it was one, but actually, let, let me clarify here just to make sure. And they have excellent chemistry, those two guys. So, um, let's see here. Finley singles matches. Oh, Finley beat him in New Japan Cup this year. So that that's the one win. That's the one win, right? Yeah. I th- so what is it? One and eight or something? Uh, it is. Oh, sorry. David Finley got a win in, in uh, the first match they ever had together in uh, September of 2015. So David Finley got one. Jay White, Jay White, Jay White. So Jay White's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins to David Finley's two wins. Right. So it's ten to two. Yeah. Finley won the first and the last. And now they face each other uh, for the Never title. And they had a U.S. title match um, after White received his push, too. So it's not even Mm -hmm. their first title match against one another. They always have good matches. So they had a lot of Young Lion matches that I thought were flirting with four stars back in the day. And, you know, they're good friends um, and, and they have good chemistry and, and that's a good start coming out of the gate with a match like that. And all the all the strong guys will be on that show. So 
it has a chance to be I, – I think it's going to be a good show. I think they're going to want to put their best foot forward too and, you know, restart, uh, you know, uh, reinvigorate the market, you know, who has not a – they were really losing steam before COVID in the U.S. Yeah. In a mm-hmm. lot of ways. So, you know, you come out of the gate here. You got three, 4,000 fans there or whatever it is. You have a big – you have a good show in front of a hot crowd that's dying to see some wrestling. So uh, that'll be good for them. Yeah, it's it's a huge opportunity for them. Uh, there's yeah. some interesting stuff going on here with the, with the actual broadcast of it as well. So uh, this is the first that I've seen of this, and it's actually interesting. It's something we have talked about for months and months and months and really years. So if you pay attention to the show, you shouldn't be super surprised by this, and you're a smart wrestling fan, so you get it. Uh, but so Fight TV is going to be airing this as well as New Japan World. The way this is going, though, is New Japan World will have the Japanese commentary for New Japan Resurgence. Yeah. Fight will have the English commentary exclusively. So there will not be English commentary on New Japan World. If you want English commentary, you have to buy it on Fight. Well, sir, I'm moving to Tokyo that day. And I'm going to watch that New Japan World. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to be a, a Well, a I think you're only going to get, get Japanese commentary, though. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, but at least you could watch it. Like, otherwise, you have to watch on Fight, right? No, 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 no. If you want to watch a New Japan World, you can. It will just be Japanese commentary. Oh, well, then who cares? Right. Well, I'm saying that the, the fans that ha, you know have been used to getting English broadcasts on, on New Japan World yeah, will now yeah. kind of be shocked a little bit that, oh, now actually I got to pay 20 bucks for this. Well, you uh, know what? Just watch the fucking Japanese commentary. <laughs> I understand that, but a lot of people... No, have, I mean... Well, what I'm saying, what, what the bigger picture here is, and, and the writing was on the wall years ago, and the writing was definitely on the wall this year, when Dota V threw in the towel on the Dota V network, and little by little, we have said that the streaming wars, this this iteration of the streaming wars is dead. Yeah. And the we offer everything to you for $10 a month days are over. Right. And that's what this is. This is saying, well, you can pay us $10 a month anyway. Now let's get 20 more bucks out of you if we can. Right. You really want English commentary? Cool. Pay us 20 more bucks. And, and that's that's what's happening here. So that that it, it is it's just an interesting note here that that you know yeah, yeah, yeah. before everything was just available and there you go ten dollars yeah 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 we have everything now it's like oh no actually we need more tape we need a little bit extra cut here <laughs> things times are tough you know give us that extra twenty for for the English uh, on fights so that that is an interesting thing uh, that, that that's going on there and fight does a great job of advertising as well so there, there's a possibility that fight will do a, a good job of kind of spreading the word there and it's one thing that's always been kind of interesting you know, to us as well you know running this site is that. You know, Fight TV will show English broadcasts of stuff all the time. And very often, you know, we, we'll, we'll do stuff with Fight and they'll DM us and say, hey, can you, you know, uh, advertise this show or do that sort of stuff or let people know that this Noah show is going to be on there. And we're fine doing it because it's, it's like, hey, you know, hey, for people that want to get into Noah, here's an English commentary uh, Noah show that's going on and all that sort of stuff. They have contacted us before because Fight has shown like Wrestle Kingdom with English commentary. And we've always said like, ah, man, our fans know that like that's on New Japan World. You know, with their built-in thing, like we're not going to promote this fifty-dollar, you know, or thirty-dollar Wrestle Kingdom English commentary show when we know that our fans know that it's on New Japan World. Uh, but don't, they work? Obviously, they work. Like a lot of people buy those shows, not knowing that that stuff's on New Japan World. So I'll be very curious how this advertising goes, and if, if they're, you know, if Fight has a completely different, you know, audience than New Japan World has, and that New Japan ends up, you know, making a ton of money from this, and that might be what happens moving forward. I don't know. Well, New Japan's struggling financially too, so if they could squeeze twenty bucks out of people, right? Um, who you know, they're they're going to try to do it. I mean, if you're a big time New Japan fan, you have World anyway, and if you're a big time New Japan fan and you want to watch this, you'll just spend the nine ninety nine instead of the twenty if that's a big factor to you, and you'll deal with the Japanese commentary. So, this is just 
a similar money grab as the Wrestle Kingdom deals that you were just talking about. Yeah, except so, for that, there is no other option for you. You know what I mean? Like, if you want the English, right? Yeah, yeah. I look, I, yeah, I get it. I and mean, that's a big. I mean, I think we're. I think you are maybe, and, and I'm probably underrating it as well. I mean, there are a lot of people that know don't know a world of New Japan without English commentary. Yeah, and they don't want to watch it without it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just started watching this company five years ago, like that's all you know yeah. is that hey. Every big show, every major show has English commentary, especially when it's happening in fucking Los Angeles. You know, in, in your, you know, in and America, there are, and, there are, and there are people who are big babies about it too. Yeah, like they yeah. won't even watch if it's not. Yeah, no, I get it. No, seriously, yeah, you definitely I mean, get used to it. You you get used to it. I mean, I I can adjust. I'm fine, but like I always prefer to watch it in English if I can. Um, but no, I mean, in this case, I'm probably just going to watch it on Japanese commentary. It's not going to be a problem. But yeah, it's it's an interesting test case. It'd be very fascinating to see how well this does. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Um, there's some matches where I definitely prefer the Japanese. I'll be honest. I have nothing against Kevin Kelly, but sometimes for a really big match, I want the feel that I grew up with. But yeah, no, I understand it's a big deal for some people. I do. Um, I don't know if I could see the action. I'm really not all that wrapped up in it. I don't know, but yeah, look, I get why they're doing it. They're trying to make money any way they can. Yeah. And if it sells again, and it sells a bunch, the then... The tickets uh, are really expensive, too, and they're still selling. Them. I know, I know. So that's that's good. That's a good sign for them, for sure. Yeah, good for that. Yeah, absolutely. People are hungry for it, you know? In a weird way, in a weird way, maybe the pandemic helps them in this country, because it was kind of losing steam before that. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really always putting their best foot forward, and... Now it's like well, they really just—I mean—they burnt out America. If you combine all the ROH stuff too, like I got—I mean, dude, there were shows where I was just like, I'm sick of seeing like fucking Sonata. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I got—I got bored of it. I was just like, ah, damn, there's New Japan guys all over the show again. Like, I saw Ishii like seven times live for like a two-year span. Which I mean, Ishii's great, but I was like, ah, you know what I mean? It kind of burnt me out a little bit on on those guys. So yeah, they didn't feel special for a while. Now they, they they feel special again. Like like this match happening in America feels special. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's this show is going to have that feel. And, you know, if you watch Strong, and as the added benefit, everyone who watches Strong thinks it's great. So if, like, you're a Strong watcher, this is an added benefit because they're going to do Strong matches and, like, um, um, storylines and matches that are built on Strong, you know, which is also going to be kind of a unique thing. So um, you get, you know, so that's good, too. Um, all right, let's uh, move on. I, I want to talk about this topic, and then we'll get we'll, we'll get to Rev Pro at the end. But I wanted to talk about this uh, XPW thing. So former, current, whatever the hell XPW promoter Rob Black has uh, has reemerged, or I get has he always been here, and we just haven't noticed. Well, he wasn't doing wrestling anymore, so he had stopped doing wrestling. Right now, he's got some dopey radio show podcast thing, and uh, he's promoting as well that XPW is going to return. He's promoting a tournament. And teasing that this tournament will feature previously canceled wrestlers. <laughs> so he shared graphics yesterday that said XPW fuck woke culture. Uh, then said and teased on his podcast, Bill Cosby's free and may be part of the new XPW, which I uh, I think is a dubious claim. And I do not think that Bill Cosby will be participating in this new XPW, but I can't say for sure. But anyway, he, he teased that that might happen. Uh, claims that he did not mean to use Marty Skrull's music in a video promoting a tournament of guys who have been canceled from wrestling. Um, any other highlights you can remember for the last day or so of Rob Black uh, on XPW? 
a bunch of a bunch of you know pictures of people crying and saying, "Oh, the woke boys are upset and stuff." So it's like, yeah, it's like the most dollar store like weird like oh everyone's soft thing ever and it's rob black it's xpw it's 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 grimy and it's weird and apparently uh there this tournament that he says is happening is gonna happen november 7th which you know a lot of time to get your ducks in a row there i don't know why i, I, I this seems like an elaborate plan to just get listeners to his dopey podcast and i guess his, it's 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 working because we're talking about it on our dumb podcast too uh i don't know what the hell's going on joe wh- what the hell is this Okay, so first of all, Marty Skrull is not booked for this tournament. He is not. Whether it's happening or not, we don't even know. Um, But we can't confirm that Marty Skrull is not booked. He's not working this thing. He has no interest in working this thing. Uh, You know, we talked to Larry Dallas earlier today, who is friends with Marty Skrull. And he confirmed that Marty Skrull is absolutely not working this and has no interest in working it. So using Marty Skrull's music and and teasing all the tweets that say villain and everything else, it's like um, he's not one thousand percent is not going to work. Right? It, it is it is bait um, and switchy if you're if you're uh, planning on if you're excited about the, whatever this thing is. Um, yeah, Marty is not uh, is not booked on this. So, sorry. Yeah. So that that's not going to happen. And I don't even know if he's just making up a date, this November 7th thing. The more and more I'm, I'm reading, I think he's just doing this to get attention. Yeah. This is it's, my it's, read on it, but I, I, I could be wrong. It doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, I, you know, if you, you put a gun to my head, I'd say this isn't real and it's not going to happen. And he's looking for attention, and we're giving it to him. <laughs> he's winning. Oh. He's fucking winning here. Uh, he had a tweet an hour ago, which is incredible. So, um, <laughs> it says we are live. He's he's on his dopey little podcast live. By the way, if you want to listen, uh, going head to head with us. Uh, he says, "quote We are live and talking about the Marty Scroll video controversy." Also, why does Rob Feinstein get a pass with underage boys? I don't think Rob Feinstein gets a pass. Yeah, who's giving him a pass? <laughs> what is he talking about? Nobody's giving Rob Feinstein a pass. Why does Rob Feinstein, like, we're all just like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Rob Feinstein's cool, but Marty, yeah, that guy's done. Like, what's he, what's he talking about? I, Anyone uh, yeah. that associates with him should be canceled according to the new standards. Hashtag woke. So I, I think he's talking about anybody that associates with Marty should be. Which, by the way, uh, Marty, I, think, I, I don't think is involved about... in any of this, by the way. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. No, he's not. But I, I don't think... I think he meant anyone associated with Feinstein should be canceled. No, 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 no. But see, no, no, no. Because he says anyone that associates with him should be canceled according to the new standards. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. According yeah, to the new standards, so, all of us who all love Rob Feinstein should all be canceled because we all love him, despite the fact that everybody hates him and has hated him for years. Well, I think he's saying like people will still do shoot videos and mm-hmm. and so I think that's his angle of Rob Feinstein isn't canceled. Okay. Which I guess he's not. I mean, he's still involved in making money. And okay. um, I mean, Marty Skrull is canceled. He has no career. He doesn't get booked. New Japan booked him, and public pressure killed that. So he is like legitimately canceled. Rob Feinstein's not. So Rob Black is actually making kind of a salient point there. But is but but is unfortunately it's Rob Black making the point. Yeah. <laughs> But is Rob Feinstein like? Do people like him? No, but I guess technically, no. He's not canceled. 
because he never went away. He was never shamed out of the public eye. I mean, he's still out there taking mark picks with all of his faves and doing uh, shoot videos and everything. So I don't know. The point here is I don't think this is real. I don't think it's real. Either. Um, And I think everyone should just kind of ignore it now. Or, you know, he says he's got – if he starts announcing names and those names don't deny it, well, then that's a different story. But I think the th- the problem is if he's doing a tournament of canceled wrestlers, <laughs> it's never going to happen because people are going to get on the venue. They're going to – no one's going to allow that to happen. People are going to make sure that that gets shut down. So – I don't know. What a weird fucking story. It's so strange. Yeah, it was, my life was a lot better before I discovered that. Who's going to take that booking? Like, <laughs> It's like, who who would take it? Like, Sabu would take it. Sabu yes. will take any booking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Joey Every, Ryan everybody that ran, Everybody that ran Drake Wartz's, like, bikers for child trafficking show or whatever. Bikers not for child trafficking or whatever. Uh, maybe they'll work it, too. So I, I don't I'm, think Drake would take that because he's, like, religious guy now. I don't think he'd work for a pornographer. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think. Yeah, there's take- a weird. The problem is like Rob Black fits in this very weird ecosystem where he's like a absolute scumbag on all levels. And he's like in the porn industry. So, yeah, if you're like, uh, if you're trying to because like if you're Joey Ryan trying to do the well, actually, God is good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. hey, you, I'm not bad. God's good. It's just like, you know, that, like you can't go work for the porn guy. Right. Well, I think. I think Joey Ryan would take the booking because he has taken bookings before. I think Joey Ryan gets off on people making sure like, like I think he gets off on taking bookings and then public pressure, removing the booking. And then he gets to complain about it. That's a very wordy way of saying that. But I I think Joey Ryan's like on a mission to prove the world wrong. And I think he would take this booking. I don't think Wirtz would take the booking. I think Sabu would take the booking, and he's not even really canceled. Um, I don't know, but I I don't think anyone else would take it because it's like such a bad look to take this booking because of all the heat it's going to get. And you're admitting that you're canceled. Right. It's also a weird badge of honor. And you're a bad person. Yeah, it's a real badge of honor to say, hey, I'm doing the all-canceled Royal Rumble tournament thing or whatever. Yeah, and like retweeting it. Like, hey. Like, nobody wants to book these wrestlers anymore, but I have the balls to do it. It's like, you know, yeah, retweeting it and saying, I'm a toxic person, but I'm booked on this show, so buy tickets. Like, it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very strange badge of honor, but... uh, um. Josh I'm oddly, I'm oddly fascinated by it. So, um, part of me is it weird that I hope it's real, just because so, the absolute disaster that it would be. Oh, I want it to be real. I mean, real that, that you know, like the perverse part of me really wants it to be real because it's just because, like you oh, said, yeah, the, the, the mechanisms of like booking those guys, like Rob Black calls you for, hey, I'm doing this show of all guys that got canceled, and you're like, yeah, sure, I'm there, man. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Like, yeah, he's gonna go back to the LA Sports Arena for this, like he did for XPW. Is that thing still around? They probably knocked down the LA Sports Arena. Isn't he saying it's like in Rochester or something? <laughs> I too? don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> We're giving this way more attention than it. <laughs> I'm fascinated by it because it's so ridiculous. Here's the big thing. Marty Skrull is not on this show <laughs> and Skrull will not, not be on the yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you said, the retweets would just be incredible too. Like, Yeah. You know. 
These sex pests won't can't work anywhere, but they're working in Rochester, November seventh. Right, right. like, how do you advertise? Like, yeah, how do you retweet that? <laughs> Buy tickets here. Yeah, I'll be there. Fuck cancel culture. Come to the show. Like it's it's you know what? Hey, I wish I wish uh, I wish Rob Blackwell in this uh, his endeavor here, but uh, I don't don't think it's gonna happen. So, man, I can't I can't believe I was looking at XPW. Or I can't believe they ran the LA Sports Arena like multiple times. That's a major arena. What are you doing? They got, and they did good crowds too. <laughs> like, I don't want to say big, but they got fairly big. Yeah, for a while. it's they, it's a weird it's a weird ecosystem in that time in like two thousand and one and two thousand. That like yeah that that a weird half porn half hardcore wrestling company was was uh, yeah they had their own little crew and yeah. uh, they were using like guys a lot of Shane Douglas a lot of Shane Douglas yeah yeah it was a whole weird thing I completely ignored that whole scene and the whole east coast weird you know fallout of ECW scene to like all those different promotions that tried to run the arena like 3PW and and then even CZW I was never a fan of CZW and all these kind of weird you know, trying to ride the coattails of what ECW had yeah. established. I just ignored that whole scummy scene. But I also had... forgetting what actually made ECW popular and just honing in on like sex and hardcore wrestling part of it and not necessarily all the other part. So Yeah. Uh, like the good and stories I... and the good characters and all that sort of stuff. They 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 lost that part. And they're like, hey, here's uh here's women. They're gonna get in cat fights and here's bad wrestlers hitting each other with shit. So there you go. Tits yeah. and chair shots. Yep. Chair <laughs> it's shots. like, well, that was part of ECW, but it wasn't all of it. But yeah, they yeah. forgot about those parts and, 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 and focused on those. Well, I mean, CZW is still standing and they, yeah. they were a major indie force for a while. I mean, again, it was never my thing. Um, you know, but yeah, and XPW yeah. maybe, I mean, I think their, their big undoing was that the porn company that ran them, I think they got seized by the feds, right? That sounds vaguely familiar. I think that's what yeah. happened. Yeah. After their top baby face got his fingers cut off. Uh, <laughs> yes. The... Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Wrestling. Look it up, kids. Yeah. And we're not, none of that was a lie. Anything that we just said in the last minute was not a lie. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So that's, uh, that is, that is Rob Black. So hopefully, hopefully that's the last we talk about Rob Black, but also hopefully it's not because I'm fascinated by this. So. Yeah. There you go. So that is uh, that is the all cancel tournament from XPW, uh, November seventh in, in what Rochester you said? I is think he's he claiming about running Rochester. Yeah, okay, all right, cool. There you go. His timeline's a disaster. I mean, <laughs> it's it's really bad. Yeah, he's got some daily podcasts where I know. it's just like I love oh. it. Bill Cosby's free, and his next stop might be XPW. <laughs> Listen live as we talk about this. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Jesus Christ. What if he does book Bill Cosby? I, uh, and, uh, hey, credit words. I mean, that's that's a big booking, no matter what, in any era. That's, you know, getting the cause. That's a big What deal. kind of material would Cosby do these days? Going to get out there and do prison material? <laughs> it's, it's gonna Is he going to do that? He can't do jello pudding cup things anymore. So I don't know what he's. Yeah, I don't know what the. Prison observations? Like, yeah, what's he going to do? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what the. A comedy hour with the Cosmos these days, but uh, there you go. I'll tell you what Cosby won't be doing: his old Spanish fly bit that he used no. to do in the seventies. Yeah, no, a lot, most, pretty much all of the seventies material I think has to probably go by the wayside. So uh, he literally had a famous bit that was about Spanish fly, which is the old school name for like roofies. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is what he was really doing. Yep. To yeah, it, I, I watched. A, <laughs> I remember I, I watched a video where somebody was like, "Well, this video takes on a very weird." 
context. And he's just like, yeah, he's joking about it. And then he's, yeah, I put it in the drink and then I can do whatever I want. And everyone's like, oh, it's like, yeah. oh my God, this guy did it's- this. Like right after this comedy show, he definitely did that to somebody. <laughs> like, Jesus right, Christ. Right, like exactly. minutes after the show yeah. ended, he did this to somebody. Oh my God. Like, there was a, uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there was a creepy Cosby show storyline in a similar vein as well. Oh, yeah, right, right. Where, I forget the context of that, but yeah, also, yeah, a, a I, thing that I, I watched in a video that said all these Cosby things are really weird now when you watch them. It's like, something with kissing an unconscious woman or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something that is just way too, flying way too close to the sun in hindsight, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Let's, uh, let's end on a better note here. Uh, Rev Pro UK, they're coming back to live events uh, this weekend. I think the, the, the show was supposed to be on the 4th or the 5th, and I think it got moved or something. I, I don't know what's exactly going on with that. But regardless, uh, they're returning to live events. I uh, hit a bit of a snag that was one of the matches advertised. was going to be Jamie Hayter versus Sky Smithson uh, for the Undisputed British Women's Championship. Unfortunately, that match is off, as both women have accepted tryouts to NXT UK. Yes, despite everybody getting fired. Nick Khan looking at the books, NXT UK still survives and is still doing tryouts. Uh, so Jamie Hayter and Sky Smithson are off the show. Uh, they're getting tryouts in NXT UK. And as such, Jamie Hayter has been forced to vacate the Undisputed British Women's title. Uh, now Giselle Shaw and Zoe Lucas are going to face off for the title at, uh, at the Ref Pro UK show this weekend. Yeah, poor Lord Gideon Gray cannot keep the Legion together here. He loses <laughs> every time he turns around. Um Yes, Giselle Shaw to the rescue once again until they inevitably sign her too. Um, I think Rev Pro should just dump their women's division. I mean, the thing about it is they can't keep anybody. The talent pool is incredibly thin at this point due to a million different factors. And Rev Pro's fan base isn't the kind of fan base that's going to like reject that or complain about it. You know what I mean? Like the rev, the typical, like the rev pro fan base is not like, you know, sitting there with their stopwatches, like, you know, certain AEW fans do counting up the time of the women's matches and what percent that's not the rev pro. Right. Largely, they probably won't care if if one day like this title goes away and they don't book Giselle Shaw anymore. I don't think people are going to care very much. No, they're just nothing against against her, but it's just like, yeah, it's just it's. And it's such a like you said right now, at, at, literally at this time in this division, like what do you have? You don't have B. And, you don't have <laughs> Jamie Hader. It's nothing. It's it's I've Zoe always, Lucas and Giselle Shaw. So they'll just. Face I've each said other. this about. I've said this about many promotions. If if you don't have a competent women's division, then just don't have one. You know, don't. Yeah, don't ROH throw. for years had this annoying, like horrible token women's division that was essentially. And it was bad. Who yeah, wants to watch that? Mandy Leone, you know, doing the same. You know, yeah, it's. You know who wants to watch fucking you know that horrible ROH women's division? You're just doing it so people don't complain that you don't have one. I'd rather people complain that, that I they'll stop complaining eventually. You know what I mean? It's like, but you're putting you're you're just force feeding an awful division. Just don't have one. There's no rules that you have to have one. All right. Some people send you some nasty tweets. Who cares? Block them. Problem solved. MLW doesn't have a women's division. What's the big deal? And people don't even notice that. There, there was no. a time we were having a discussion with somebody the other day, and they're like, oh, uh, she should get signed by MLW. It's like they don't have a women's division. They're like, oh. And you know why no one notices? Because they don't have like some bad token one that people complain about. Yeah, exactly. Because then people will say, oh, why is your honor oh, women's division so bad? Well, fuck it. Just don't have one. 
You know, he's like, you get in this mindset where it's like, you think you don't have to have one, you know? So I don't know that, but so what, what is it? Giselle Shaw versus who? Uh, Zoe Lucas. Who I can't, she stinks. I mean, Lucas is no good. Not great. Um, yeah. All right. Whatever. What else uh, is on this show? Yeah. So otherwise on the show, the main event, Southside Heavyweight Title Tournament Final 30-minute Iron Fist match. What can you tell me about an Iron Fist match, Joe? I have no idea. I didn't well, know it was the... Well, it's Ricky Knight Jr. versus Dan Maloney. So I like the, the names. That tournament. But yeah, I don't know what a 30-minute Iron Fist match is. So Is that a typo? Is it just an Iron Man match? I think uh, it's just an Iron Man match. Okay. I don't know. Because I think I read somewhere Iron Man. Oh, maybe. so maybe it's just maybe I copy and pasted it and it's a... All right. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to work under the premise this is an Iron Man match, but uh, the winner of this, you know, the original plan was they would then face Will Ospreay, who is the Rev Pro, well, the British heavyweight champion, I think they call it, and then they're going to merge the two titles because Southside doesn't exist anymore. So that's kind of was the idea. But we're going to find out when Will Ospreay can come back and wrestle. He might have to vacate the Rev Pro title, depending where his health is at. So, you know, they had said months ago that at one of the first live shows with fans, Will Ospreay would address the crowd and address all of that. So we'll find out. But the winner of this could be facing Will Ospreay in a title unification, which either way they go, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, you got a uh, great British tag league A block match. So that thing is getting started yeah. here with Lycos Jim, uh, Kid Lycos and Lycos 2 uh, versus Destination Everywhere, Connor Mills and Michael Oku. Uh, is on there where the aforementioned Gideon Gray, he'll be uh, seconding Chris Ridgeway here, and he's going to be facing Robbie X. Uh, you have Chakra versus Chantel Jordan, Lee Hunter versus Big Guns Joe. It's a, it's a show. There's some guys, some guys doing some things. Yeah, Doug Williams, Kenneth Halfpenny, Sean Jackson versus Brendan White, Callum Newman, and J.J. Gale. So. That opener could be good. Yeah. If that's indeed the match order. Um, you know, Doug Williams back in the mix. I was never a huge Doug Williams guy, but. He's a name at least. And uh, it's got Callum Newman and J.J. Gale. I'm really high on J.J. Gale. Uh, I think he has a chance to to really be a guy. Um, Callum Newman, of course, is the Will Ospreay protege, who I think is ahead of where Will Ospreay was at the same age, if you can believe that. So that's high praise. Yeah, this is all about the main event. You know, and you've got the Tag League match, which is a decent matchup. but. Uh, yeah, this is all about the uh, the main event. Robbie X, Chris Ridgeway could be okay. And we'll see if they do any angles or anything. And we'll see if Will Ospreay's there. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, these shows take up a whole different uh, tone if, if Will's on these shows regularly. Because uh, without him, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a little, it's a little rough. I mean, there's... They don't have all their usual guys on here, to be fair. Um, yeah, but some of them, yeah. Like, some of the um, empty arena ones got a little rough once Ospreay was back in Japan, for sure. But uh, that's happening this weekend. I, uh, I'm not sure about streaming and, 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 and whatnot, but uh, that is happening, so I'm sure we'll have some details. I'm sure it'll be on their streaming service in some form. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not live, but uh, yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any details on how to watch it live or anything either, so. Yeah, I think it's live at the cockpit 51, I believe is it. So um, yeah. what it says here is that it was supposed to be on Sunday, April 5th, and is now on Sunday June 7th, okay. Well, that's so, encouraging. Yeah, that's, uh, well, now it's on June 7th. That's not right either, so they haven't updated their website. Yeah, because that's a month ago. Yeah. So. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's happening this weekend, but who the hell knows, so. Yeah. There you go. 
Great website. Great stuff. All right. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's it for the show. So there. We uh, we talked about this stuff. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling. It is the first day of the month. Uh, the best time to subscribe. I uh, got a Thursday tier review. Joe is back. People have been asking, clamoring, when are the Thursday tier reviews coming back? They're back, baby. I posted them today. I got uh, stuff coming up. Slammiversary synopsis looking at the uh, 2007 and 2008 Slammiversary main events. That is coming up soon. I'm doing a special on the Stars and Stripes Challenge uh, where Lex Luger uh, body slams Yokozuna. I have found a, a you know, WWE Network has the entire uh, uh, thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll watch stars of the NFL, stars, quote unquote, stars of the NFL, the NBA, and other sports try to uh, slam Yokozuna. So we'll talk about all those stars and uh, that uh, the USS Intrepid and all that stuff. So that'll be a, a fun little thing that'll come out on, 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 on the morning of July 4th. So that little America celebration there as I watch the Stars and Stripes Challenge. So that is all uh, coming up this week uh, on, uh, on patreon.com slash voice wrestling. Everything we do, you can listen to the show live. People that listen live, they're ten dollars subscribers. They know they're listening live right now. No dope's chat room. You can do all that uh, at patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. A deep dive coming your way, uh, hopefully pretty soon. We're we're collecting all the matches, getting everything together for that. But that should be uh, awesome. It's if you've never listened to a deep dive, it's essentially Joe and I uh, going absolutely insane on a certain topic. Whether it's uh, uh, we we've done stuff about the I'd like to t- talk to Tom Angle, the UWF tag team titles, Joshi and the WWF, the, uh, the the J Crown. We go insane. These are very long shows. We watch a ton of matches. We do it more detailed than anybody else can do it uh and our next topic could be our biggest and 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 most detailed deep dive we've ever done so uh that is coming up as well pretty soon here on patreon.com slash voice wrestling so five dollar ten dollar or one dollar tiers uh for that at voices wrestling on twitter voice wrestling.com slash discord and also our sponsor manscaped use the promo code flagship uh manscaped.com to get 20 percent off plus free shipping and that's it for us so for joe lanza i'm rich we'll talk to you next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care